This is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jared Duncan. I am the Chud Wolf. And we're just two guys who have no other choice now to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order of release. This week, uh, psychoanalysis. Psychoanalysis and questionable attitudes uh, toward mm. women folk. As we watch Spine 136 in the Criterion Collection, Alfred Hitchcock's Spellbound from 1945. But first, RJ, mm. how, how's life? It's Creeptober, baby. It sure is. That's celebration three where day, I'm from. Th- three days deep. Three days in. If you you didn't, uh, I'm a little disappointed you didn't hit us with a spooky name for your uh, intro here. Well, I hit you, I, I hit you with the Chud Loaf, but uh, there's um, no Arch Grand Wizard Duncan or the Grand Dragon. What is that called? <laughs> yeah, close enough. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Klansman. Klansman Duncan. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah uh, feeling great, feeling good. We're uh, hot into October. I've been uh, hitting it pretty hard, my friend, and uh, I think I'm on track for, um, for some uh, good times. Yeah, good you, times to be had by all. You're hitting that horror bong hard? I am. Well, I mean, someone needs to because there's this other guy who who's part of this show who doesn't really do anything anymore. So. Oh, contraire, mon frere. Mm, well, we'll see about that. But uh, I'm excited. Other than the, uh, you know, weather being the weather, uh, all things are good in Creepsville. Things are, it's October. What's yeah. not to be happy about? Yeah, it snowed you know here. I mean? it, it already snowed here in uh, Creepsville. That's fun. Yeah, this this did it last year too. The uh, it was exactly October second last year, first weekend, because that was when I was driving to sing see King Creep himself, Stephen King, uh, and we got hit with a massive snowstorm that day. Also, so I guess it's just the fashion now. Um, Steve Jobs was right. Yeah. <laughs> Or do I mean Al Gore? I don't even know anymore. Or does it matter? I guess is the uh, the appropriate thing. We're post truth now, so um, mm. alternative podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. Fraudcasts. Oh, don't do that. No. I was trying to think something clever, but uh, you ruined it. <laughs> you ruined the podcast. Yeah. For everyone. <laughs> sure did. What do you think about that, friend? No, nothing. Good. Good. <laughs> so any news or uh, any uh, listener bought, bought I did. So, oh, well, I did buy a house. Thanks for asking. Oh, yeah. I don't care what you do with your life. Yeah. Um. Anyways, uh, hey, Jarrett, what's up with you? Did you uh, finalize that house payment yet or what? Sure did. Uh, I'm, wow. I'm, I'm, I'm moving in uh, just over three weeks. Just three weeks, eh? Just right th- in the middle of Creeptober. Yup. You fucking animal. Yeah, I'll be moving into a house uh, right during, like, peak weekend, right before Halloween. Mm. Um, just mm-hmm. just as I always hoped and dreamed. Um, it, it couldn't have happened at a better time. Snow on the ground. I should be watching horror movies, but no. Nope. I think you're a bad person. And usually I feel like bad things should happen to you, but... Uh, it already is. Yeah. Yeah, bad things are happening to you, mm. and um, I don't feel that bad about it. I mean, you do have a lot of this stuff coming. Yeah. So uh, that's your own fault for uh, not owning a home before the last two weeks. Yeah, that's, that's on me. That's that can on only me. be on you, man. No. So uh, I guess now you won't make that mistake again, hey? 
Not for a very long time. Hopefully. So uh, now that you go into this life of eternal debt and uh, house things. Stress uh, and pain. Are you excited? uh, Did you go out and buy a new tool belt so you can be a home improvement man and go... That's my uh, Tim Allen there for you. It was a little little restrained, but uh, you get the point. To answer your question, no, I have not. Um, right now, I'm in the process of collecting boxes for my vast collection um, uh, of books and movies. It's, skins. Uh, you know, I kind of I, I think I underestimate how much stuff I actually have. And Would you uh, want to get rid of some of it? No, that's kind of the part of the being a hoarder kind of thing going on is like, mm-hmm. there's like stuff where I, I could get rid of this, but then I won't have it anymore. And uh, I can't have that. So, and plus a lot of the stuff I buy has like very little resale value, which is on me. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I'm stuck with it now. Does it really? What? Have no resale? Uh, quite. A, I, I feel quite a bit of the stuff I have. Uh, it would be a tough sell to some. Are you open to interesting trades? No. <laughs> Are interesting trades considered? You could probably get like some pretty good offers out of that, though. One time I was selling something on uh, Kijiji, and it was something like really plain, I think, that my mom gave me to sell, like like a humidifier or something. And uh, someone was like, would you trade me for this paintball gun I have? And I was like, what? <laughs> and they're like, I, it's like half full of paintballs. And I was like, I was like, this isn't real, is it? And he's like, yeah, I can meet you like right now. And I was like, no, oh, man, no. It's probably some guy named Riley. I think he stole it probably because he's like, it's yeah. worth like $300. It's brand new. And I was like, why do you want a humidifier? <laughs> Just go use your paintball gun. <laughs> I don't know. So it's uh, I, uh, fun times dealing with people online. Am I right? Yeah, I, I avoid it as best as I can. Well, I guess congratulations buying a house, but now you are going to have to buy stuff online, like uh, tool belts, uh, buckets of nails, uh, I don't know, stuff. Labor. Labor. Yeah, you're going to be like, you're going to be one of those sad bastards that goes on Facebook and is like, need someone to help me lay brick for four or five hours this Saturday. Can pay in pizza. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, sadly I've, I've encountered a lot of that as I've been snooping around sure on that uh, on that Facebook marketplace. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's a sad, deplorable place. Oh yeah, it's pretty sad, man. There's a lot of that, and then there's a lot of the not Facebook related, and it's like I got to tell you about my day, buddy, oh. and you're like, oh, this isn't the place for this. <laughs> but uh, yeah. you know, if it's good enough, take a screenshot and then send it over to Reddit, and you'll um. <laughs> You'll be popular for like yeah. a day on the yeah, internet. Yeah, you'll, you'll get those upvotes. Yeah, that karma, which means nothing, but people are somehow obsessed with it. That is as good as cash money, my friend. Karma? Upvotes. Well, actually, yeah, if you do get those like gold stars or whatever, isn't that like actual cash that people? I have no idea. Award you for like that, having a good post? Is that really a thing on Reddit? Yeah, man. I can't remember. I don't know what it's called because it's never happened to me. Yeah. Uh, But like whenever there's like a gold star by someone's post or like a comment, I'm pretty sure that means that like, I don't know. I think you give that person money. What the fuck? (laughs) I don't know. If if anyone is listening Uh, and understands how Reddit works, but I'm pretty sure that's money. Well, I feel like I've been interneting all wrong because I uh, I've never been paid a fucking cent for anything I've written online. A hot cent? 
Uh, that's not true. We have a Patreon, well, and yeah, I, I believe you for, get money from no, that. But I haven't written anything that anyone's paid me for. This is this is a whole mm-hmm. different medium, RJ. This is a, a genre of the internet. <laughs> it's some uh, artisanal podcasting. Mm, fresh baked, hey? <laughs> yeah. uh, I'll pay you to write some stuff. Yeah. I want uh, a thousand words on butts and a thousand words on dumps. That's, how they're separate, but all, how they're the same. Uh, I can tell you how they're separated in one way. Cheeks. What do you mean? Butt cheeks. Oh, oh save it for the essay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, RJ. What? We got feedback. Hey, you know what? I forgot to mention. Uh, I got some feedback oh. when I was in Colorado a couple weeks ago. Well, do, uh, do share. Uh, it is someone who had just found out about our show, and uh, they knew what Criterions were, and they recommended that we watch Heavyweights and review it for the pod, <laughs> which I said, that's one of my favorite movies. I believe I've brought that up before. Uh, Salami Sam, the whole gang, they're all there. I was like, I think I maybe talked about it in like the first episode, but maybe not. Yeah. So uh, we, we, we've been requested to review Heavyweights, and I said, you know what? I might do that. I might do that after Creeptober. So, hmm. anyways, uh, what kind of feedback do you have, big guy? <laughs> well, RJ, we got a we got some new listener feedback again. Yeah, that's Holy right, baby. So this is from one Frank Solano, and this email, RJ, is entitled "You Guys Are Awesome." Hey, that's pretty nice. What's up, brah? My name is Frank, a.k.a. Mono Kid on YouTube, a.k.a. The Newbie. I'm guessing I'll be speaking to Jarrett since RJ never knows anything about the feedback. No, I don't. <laughs> Anyways, I'm typing this up to let you know, man, that I really appreciate what you guys do, honestly. Your podcast has actually helped me out a lot. If you don't mind me getting, giving a little context, I'm 19, working a full-time job to try to save for an education and to make it difficult, I'm employed at the University of Georgia. So I'm surrounded by uh, students who kind of take their studies for granted. While I worked so hard to try to get there, as you can imagine, I was getting burned out. And the only thing keeping me going are my movies when I get home. As long as I've lived in Athens, I haven't met a single fellow uh, fellow film enthusiast to share my adventures with. So it's been pretty lonely until I found you guys, you bros, on YouTube. And now I listen to you guys at my work through Apple Podcasts. And it makes my days easier. I'm no longer as frustrated with my situation knowing that two guys in Canada are recording their great (laughs) conversations. And I feel like I can keep up uh, the struggle. And I really appreciate it. It's kind of funny how that works out isn't it anyways enough about me now it's time to get serious i have two questions for the podcast one do canadian blu-rays have english subtitles i own two ryan johnson's brick and nicholas winding reference valhalla rising and they only have Mm. french subtitles so it kind of bums me Mm -hmm. out because i actually enjoy subtitles um to answer that question yes now most of the time most yeah so it's a crapshoot because it's like the same way it's yeah. a lot of American DVDs. It's like um, I actually know a lot of people like who actually have or not. I, I don't personally know a lot of people, but I've read about people on Facebook groups that get really mm-hmm. pissed off about the fact that uh, in this day and age, they should have like closed captioning or mm-hmm. uh, English subtitles as an option because some people are hard of hearing. And mm-hmm. um, there's like a lot of like some of these like smaller Blu-ray labels that are putting out these exploitation movies that I talk about on the show. There's no subtitles. So sometimes you so you're watching these movies that have like really lousy audio and mm-hmm. you can't understand what they're saying. And you know what? Sometimes it'd be nice to throw on those subtitles, especially late at night. And maybe you have upstairs neighbors and you don't want to disturb them with horrible, porny rape sounds coming from your piece of trash oh, movie. And uh, you just want to pop those subtitles on and be like, yep, this is fine. <laughs> I'm not going to wake anybody up with this. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Um, yeah, keep going. Okay. About subtitles. Uh, so, uh, that's about it. You got, you got any thoughts there on subtitles? Uh, I find that most of the stuff that I actually buy has the English and sometimes French, and you can like just toggle between no subtitles, English subtitles, and French. Uh, but it's not always. I'd say it's like three out of five. Um, yeah. The Creep this week, Spellbound, we tried to turn subtitles on for that because uh, Andrea had a really hard time understanding uh, old Ingrid Bergman, but uh, they weren't there, so mm, we didn't. Yeah. I uh, yeah I get the actually I kind of like the look the subtitles give to a movie especially so, when they're nice fonts and uh, good properly for screenshots done. exactly yeah it's, for exactly. that Instagram yep which is um, what everyone's all about yeah so yeah it's uh it's a hit and miss but like I mean most of the Blu-rays we have in Canada they're all coming from the U S unless they're pressed in Canada and uh, yeah they'll sometimes throw on those uh, French subtitles but mm-hmm. yeah. Um, second question. What do you think about the upcoming Suspiria film? According to the news, it's had mm. a divisive reception like Mother, so that may be interesting to talk about. Um, my thought on the Suspiria movie is <laughs> that I haven't even, I haven't watched the trailer. Um, I will probably watch it. Uh, the fact that I just saw that it is two and a half hours long, um, it fills me with joy, <laughs> as you can do, imagine. Do you mean dread? Judge Dread. Oh, right. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, it it yeah. definitely gives me pause because um, more often than not uh, in this day and age, uh, two and a half hours is really not necessary, especially when you're mm-hmm. making like a genre like remake thing. I don't know. Uh, I did see that the uh, uh, state for uh, this one artist, uh, Anahita Medita, she is uh, there or Anna Medita. They are uh, apparently suing or have a lawsuit against Amazon Studios because they've mm-hmm. uh, the the filmmaker and the production crew. They've just like I guess kind of lifted liberally from uh, her art practice. Yeah, and um, that's kind of like oh, it's a homage and stuff like that. You know, <laughs> it's art, a tribute. Art, big big artist estates that are worth like millions of dollars. Uh, mm-hmm. They don't look at it that way. So I don't know. Uh, I, I listened to a, one of the tracks from the soundtrack for this new Suspiria that uh, old Tom York's doing, and it sounded pretty mm. awesome. It's a pretty sweet little video too. Uh, so that 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 gave me some excitement, I suppose. Can, uh, just for the soundtrack, uh, I love Tom York. I'm a big uh, uh, Radiohead guy. Um, soundtracks are awesome. But you know what? A movie had an awesome soundtrack by another artist I really liked. Hmm. Uh, Call me by your name by uh, old Suffusion Stevens. Uh, so sometimes the soundtrack is amazing, but uh, it can't save it. Oh. So uh, we'll, we'll see. But uh, I have faith in uh, Big Tom. I don't think he would... Like, he doesn't do soundtracks, so I feel like he wouldn't just kind of sign on for anything just for the hell of it. Yeah. But um, what else do you have to say about Suspiria? That, that's it. What do you got to say? Uh, so Jarrett kind of buried the lead that uh, he's a big Suspiria guy. Uh Last year, if people remember, uh, Jarrett was in Calgary, and uh, I was in Calgary at the same time. And Jarrett went to a big theater screening of Suspiria. And you know what? He never invited me. I got home, and I found out on the Criterion Creeps Instagram that uh, he was at this event. And I was like, you know what? I was in Calgary an hour ago, and here I am now at home in my underpants on the toilet and I was just filled with remorse, shame, and, you know, just that feeling of not being good enough. 
So uh, it's, but you know, I, I learned to live with it, Jared. I, I know who you are, and I realized it, it was a special <laughs> movie for you. So it's probably better you didn't see with me. So uh, I, I think that you hold that movie in pretty high regard. You know, um, oh, I will say that, yeah, my experience watching the uh, original Suspiria in a, th- a theater with like a bunch of mm-hmm. film fans, uh, watching that nice restored print from. Uh, Synapse, I guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was awesome. It looked great. It uh, really elevated the material. Getting to see it that way, elevated horror. Yeah, that's a that's a buzzword nowadays. Yeah. Um, anyways, uh, I I dig Suspiria a lot. Uh, I actually was trying to put a really fun little thing on our Instagram on the story because uh, I was listening to the Goblin soundtrack uh, yesterday when I was working and uh, apparently there's this problem with Instagram stories and Samsung Galaxy S7s or something like that where it's like they it just freezes and it won't load and my phone was frozen for like an hour because of this Instagram thing so I tried to get that goblin out there uh, I'm open to this remake thing um, I haven't watched the trailer but I've seen a bunch of stills and I think I've said before I'm a little bit weary of it just because it seems like it seems really over the top. Whereas like, you know how in like Dario Argento Suspiria, like red was everywhere, but it didn't really like, I never felt like it was exaggerated to the point where it was like silly, where in this thing, like just a couple of the pictures I saw, I was like, there's so much going on in it. I was like, I feel like they're going over the top here a little bit. And actually, you know what? I just realized, call me by your name. It's the same director. Yeah, I, I, that's why I thought you mentioned it. So. No, I, I just brought it up because I was yeah. thinking about like soundtracks with awesome yeah. like uh, composers. But uh, I don't know. I, I will definitely check it out. But uh, yeah. I'm a little bit cautious, I should say. Oh, cautious. The, uh, yeah, but we'll see. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'll probably see it. Um, I think like the only big horror movie that I haven't seen yet, really, because I'm going to be seeing Hereditary really, really soon. Spoilers yeah. for the month. Oh, dear. People I, I, are interested I, I, in I, what I, you I, have I, to Yeah, I got that Blu-ray, but uh, A Quiet Place, man. That movie is not on my radar mm. at all. I uh, am not interested. Well, there's a Salvador Dali retrospective at our theater right now. You could go see that instead of how, uh, how Quiet perf- How perfectly that aligns with this episode. Oh, yeah. Actually, I didn't even realize that, but uh, fuck, you really, you really goofed this one up, Jarrett. Mm. You should have went and saw this thing. I'm good. Uh, uh, what were we talking about? F- Frank continues. Before I okay. let you rest your eyes, I'd like to say that I haven't yet seen your faces on social media, so when I listen oh. to you guys conversing, I like to imagine the Canadian Moose Brothers from Brother Bear talking into a microphone. <laughs> uh, I'm going to look this up right now. I okay. know Brother Bear, but I, uh, I got to... We'll okay. put this out on the Instagram later. On that note, I'm looking forward to your next podcast if the world hasn't caught on fire yet. And I'll be sure to drop some pennies into that legendary Patreon account soon. Well, thank you, Frank. Uh, oh, and this is for RJ to make him feel a little loved since he gets hated on often. Your lack of extensive <laughs> film knowledge doesn't matter, bruh, because you make up for it with charm and wit. And who even Aww. needs to know everything, right? Thanks, buddies. You dudes are awesome. Well, that was just a lovely email. I, I have to say, uh, it's nice to hear that uh, what we do has some kind of uh, value at all to anybody. Because uh, you know what? We've been doing this for what, like two years? Yeah. And uh, for the longest time, I just get uh, a lot of people shitting on me for being <laughs> a real goof. So, uh, hey, uh, that's a really nice email. And I'm glad that he wrote in. So it's it's good to hear that, uh, you know, somebody appreciate or somebody likes it. Yeah. Yes. Any anything to help you out, bud? You uh, you email in whenever you feel like. 
I was going to say something about when he was originally talking, but I can't remember now. Because Jared dominates conversation so much mm-hmm. that uh, I just I lost all trace. Yeah, I threw my but uh, you know what? We do look like these Moose brothers. Whoa. There's one who's clearly more handsome, uh, and then there's the Jarrett Moose. <laughs> Are you gonna you wanna share that there on the the gram? Yeah, I'll throw it out later. I'll throw it out tomorrow when this episode's live, so uh, yeah. some people have some kind of context. Even though that hardly ever matters for me when I uh, post <laughs> things on uh, yeah. the Instagram. You're kidding. You're kidding. Uh, I, I can post a picture of Jared on the Instagram. One of mm-hmm. him from 10 years ago. Oh, I, oh come mm-hmm. on. So yeah, you, see, people you, know what you, I... You, you just carry these chips on your shoulder for so long. My God. Hey, people don't forget. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyways, nice to hear from uh, from him. I hope he writes in again no. soon. Well, yes, good luck with your, your job uh, working at that, cool. at that university. Um, I also mm-hmm. work at a university, and... Uh, a lot of the kids here, they, they too uh, take their studies for granted, I feel. Uh, I feel like that was targeted at me. Not at all. Not at uh, all. Well, yeah, I, uh, good luck. I've been at university for, I think this is my eighth year. So uh, sympathize with you, pal. Yeah. I've been doing it a long time. It sucks. Yeah. But, you know, stuff. Cool. Cool. Hey, cool. RJ. What you been creeping on? Holy fuck. A lot of stuff, Jer. A lot of goddamn stuff. Uh, so I have two pre-Creeptober creeps for you. For uh, anyone out there who uh, I, I apologize for, but I don't feel bad for that. Uh, for the next four weeks, they will hear about nothing but horror movies. So yeah, Pretty much. Uh, so this is your, your final, final exit. Uh, on Friday or something, on the weekend, Andrew is uh, watching this Netflix deal. And I was like, ooh, that sounds like a good movie. Or I was like, that's supposed to be pretty good. And uh, so I watched with her. Uh, We watched 20th Century Women by Mike Mills. Uh, This dude did a movie called Beginners uh, with your buddy, friend of the show, Christopher Plummer, and uh, Ewan McGregor. Uh, I've seen that movie. That movie is really good. Uh, And guess what, Jared? This Hmm. 20th Century Women, this is really good too. What? Uh, I thought it was actually a, a very well done movie. I uh, liked it quite a bit. Uh, so 20th Century Women takes place in the late 70s in California. You have uh, your girl, Annette Benning, my girl, Greta Gerwig, uh, our friend, Elle Fanning, and friend of the show, Billy Crudup. Um, so Annette Benning plays like an older mom. She's like 48 or something like that, and she's got like a 14, 15-year-old boy. And he's kind of like going in those trouble, troubled teen years. And she doesn't know what to do. So what she decides to do is um, she rents out a couple of rooms in her house to like bring new people in to like try to get her to help raise him. Kind of like the, you know, takes a village type thing. Mm -hmm. So uh, Greta Gerwig moves in. She is like a young 30s artist, uh, photographer. She's a little eccentric. She's a big Bowie fan. She gets in there. Real Greta Gerwig character. Uh, And then you also get uh, my man, Billy Crudup, who... uh, I don't know if I've ever said, Jarrett, I like Billy Crudup a lot. I think he's awesome. And he's got a mustache in this movie, and it is such a super flattering look for him. Uh, he should never. He should just have a mustache in real life. Uh, he moves into another room, and he's kind of like an old mechanic. And the movie is just about these, like, these people working together to try to help the son and uh, his friend El Fanning uh, as they're, like, growing up in the late 70s and trying to do stuff. That's all this movie is about. 
Uh, I thought it was really good, man. Uh, this thing is edited and put together just mint, my man. Uh, I, I really like the way that he kind of the way he make like tells his movies because he he'll do like editing things where sometimes scenes will have like uh what is it called like not overexposure and not like filters but like the light like like a light filter or something like it kind of changes for a certain scene and then he'll have scenes where uh i can't i don't know who did this we talk about it all the time where it's kind of like a voiceover like a monologue and then it's like quick 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 cuts of different scenes and they're kind of moving fast um stuff like that and i really liked it uh the movie's got nice messages it's uh got that pro-feminist vibe that uh, is all the rage these days um and it's just kind of it's about growing up jer it's just about growing up hmm. uh but no i i actually think it is um it's a really really good movie it's put together pretty pretty toit <laughs> uh have you, so, have you ever seen uh jesus's son with uh billy crudup mm-hmm I think I may have. Uh, I think that's a movie that I maybe is that like an old religious pick? No, no. It's, it's okay, about, never mind. It's, it's very contemporary, and okay, uh, no, it's like probably not. Yeah. Uh, I do like Billy Crudup a lot, though. I think he is the man. As I've uh, talked about, almost famous quite a bit. Uh, Watchmen, he's good in that, and uh, Big Fish, which uh, I don't know if I've ever let slip on here before, but uh, I think Big Big Fish is an amazing movie. That's my favorite mm. Tim Burton movie, and uh, I I don't say Ooh. that very often because I know people don't like that. But uh, I, I don't care. I'm gonna stand by it. I think Big like Fish is movie. awesome. Uh, make mine Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Eh. Eh, I don't know. Uh, anyways, I think Big Fish. Was. When's the last time you watched that Pee Wee? Uh, probably when I was like eight. Oh, you, should, you really uh, owe it to yourself to watch that movie again because it is really well made. Like I don't even have it marked on Letterboxd's watch. That's how long ago I I've seen it. Is so you're like a fake fan. What of Tim Burton? Yeah. No, I've seen Dark Shadows. Oh. I've seen Miss Peregrine. Will. Uh, I've seen Charlie, Mars Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Actually, I haven't seen any of those movies. Oh, well, I've seen Mars like, Attacks. Oh man, that movie's so fucking bad. What Mars Attacks? Yeah. Yeah, I know. No, I saw that as a... Mars Attacks is like whatever. It looks cool. What? The, the effects what are, are even cool. talking about anymore. I was talking about Charlie and the Chocolate Charlie and the Chocolate. Oh, Factory. I've seen parts of that. Yeah. yeah, it's dreadful. Yeah, like you. So, yeah. anyways, uh, yeah, Twentieth uh, Century Woman, very nice. Best movie directed by Tim Burton. Twentieth Century Woman, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so then, Jer, I watched a movie which is uh, getting some some buzz lately. Uh, Venom. <laughs> No, not Venom. Uh, I, we missed that one. Maybe next week we'll uh, we can cover that. Um, I watched "Hold the Dark" by our our pal Jeremy uh, Saulnier, mm-hmm. uh, Dr- the uh, Dr- director of the second best movie of twenty fifteen. Wait a minute. What do you what do you think is better than Green Room? Was it Mad Max? Is it the same year? Oh shit! Yeah, Did those come Fury, out in the same year. Yeah, Fury Road and uh, Green Room I think came out the same year. All right. Well, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a debate for sure. But uh, yeah, director of a, a really good movie. Yeah. Um, so Hold the Dark is a weird one. Uh, it premiered at TIFF a couple weeks ago. Our boy Hammy was at TIFF and he watched it. Uh, he had some stuff to say. He enjoyed it, but uh, he said the crowd wasn't super into it. And 
this Friday, it got it just kind of got dumped on Netflix. And I remember I was talking to you. I was like, holy. I was like, did you know that this movie came out today? And you're like, wait a minute. What is this movie? I've never even fucking heard of it. Well, I totally forgot, too, because I remember yeah. I remember because um, this movie wasn't like I remember because it was shot in our backyard, as a matter of fact, off in the Kananaskis oh, yeah. uh, County country, whatever. Wait, are you woods. saying this wasn't actually shot in Alaska? Uh, yes. What? Wait, it's shot. It's set in Alaska. No. Yeah, no. So this movie, yeah, this movie shot in the, in the Rockies, uh, right in our area. I remember there was a casting call and everything for this thing. Um, and I'm really? being like, this is amazing. And then that was like two years ago and it's been being edited since then. Um, oh. and then, uh, so it, was, so it was always a Netflix production. Um, yes, it was. And then what they've been liking to do is try to, to release these movies in, uh, film festivals so mm-hmm. that they actually qualify for awards, I guess, but, yeah. and for some sort of legitimacy. Um, mm-hmm. and then, yeah, it was just unceremoniously dumped. I feel cause there's been yeah. no talk at all about this coming out. And it's kind of like, Oh, this guy's coming off of like, you know, between a uh, blue ruin and green room. Uh, mm-hmm. this guy had a lot of buzz, but it seems like, uh, Netflix has got that chilling effect, uh, uh on, on these movies post things like mute and, uh, their other, uh, these, these so-called uh, Netflix originals. Um, uh, may, maybe the problem is Alexander Skarsgård cause he's in mute as well. Oh, and, he, and he's in this, maybe he's like, uh, what you were talking about, uh, these uh, poisoned, cursed actors who, if they pop up in your movie, it's just uh, destined to fail. Um, you weren't talking about that on the podcast. No, uh, that, that was, that uh, was IRL. IRL. Yeah, yeah no, about, no one knows what we're talking ta- ta- about. We're talking about Olivia Munn. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe uh, Alexander Skarsgård falls in there. But yeah, so this movie got dumped on there, and I was like, oh, man, that's so shitty. I was like, I like that guy. I think he makes awesome movies. Yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe he has a movie people don't like as much, but I was like, why aren't they even like? It wasn't even being advertised on Netflix's homepage. It was just like you 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 couldn't even find it. It wasn't you had to search it. So I was like, oh, that sucks. I'll check this thing out. So I watched this movie, Jared, and I believe it is based on a book. Uh, and then Macon Blair, uh, like Jeremy Saulnier's friend who acts and all this stuff, yep. uh, he did like a a screenplay version of this book. So, do you know anything about this, what it's about? Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember yeah. at one point hearing something about werewolves. No, oh, incorrect. Boo. Uh, in, in theory. Um, it, let me ask you this, Jared. <laughs> How is your indigenous folklore, uh, your uh, First Nations, Métis, Inuit uh, background? Um, good. Good? Okay. Well, you'll be fine. Uh, so this movie relies uh, pretty heavily on uh, some First Nations, uh, like legend type stuff, um, and it's not—it's not like I was gonna say it's not super uh, obvious, but it's also not not subtle either. Like it's kind of like right in your face. So this movie is about a small Alaskan town that's also like right beside, uh, like a—it's not a reservation. It's kind of like a first nations camp where the people just kind of got placed. And, uh, you have a little, um, this little community, uh, all their little kids are getting, uh, disappearing cause they're getting eaten by wolves. So, uh, you have this girl and she emails, uh, she writes a letter to Jeffrey Wright, 
Uh, Big Jeffrey Wright, he's back, baby. He's looking sexier than ever. Uh, and he's an old man, and he wrote, uh, he's an author who's wrote books about uh, wolves and like wolf behavior and like legends and stuff like wolves. So she's like, can you come and deal with this wolf problem that we have up here? And he, he shows up and uh, she's like, oh, you're really old. And he's like, yeah. He's like, I'm an old man. And he's like, I don't really know why you wrote me. She's like, well, why'd you come? And he's like, I don't know. I'm just here to help. So he kind of like goes out into the woods to try to find wolves. And then Alexander Skarsgård is the husband of this lady. And he's in Iraq or some something. And then he comes back home. And then once he gets back, this movie turns into this other thing where it's like, it's kind of a big murder mystery thriller where like wind river it it's absolutely like wind river. And so mm. I, I saw a couple other people compare it to this too. So I thought wind river was okay, but I think wind river has a really shitty ending and it's really writerly where it's like, there's dialogue in wind river. I'm like, people don't talk like this. <laughs> uh, but this is, this is very much like this. It's like if wind river laid way more on to the like the mythology of like uh, what's going on in the area so this movie like things start happening people start like dying there's like other characters doing weird stuff alexander skarsgård wears a wolf mask around as he's like walking around like killing people kind of and it's kind of building up to this stuff and you 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 get all these like really ambiguous kind of uh scenes where they're doing like like first Nations stuff where they like bury a body and then like uh there's a first nations guy there who like paints on the box and then later the box is like uncovered and stuff like that so they they, they like try way way more to do that so i feel on this one about the same as i feel about wind river uh i think it's okay um I like Jeremy Saulnier a lot more than I like uh, Ty Sheridan or whoever wrote Wind River. That yeah. one's like that one's definitely more accessible, more coherent movie. And uh, Hold the Dark is a lot more. It's just it's kind of vague and it's ambiguous. not really. Yeah, it's ambiguous and it's kind of it's not super cohesive. Like there are scenes that there's they set up stuff and then there's no like no kind of payoff for it and not even payoff. There's just no info on what's going on. Like there's some scenes where you'll see like a picture of two characters and you're like, Hmm, I wonder like what that's from. And then it just kind of never gets addressed. And then there's other characters doing things that seem like the, like big supernatural things. And you're like, Oh weird. I wonder what that is. We'll maybe we'll find out later, but then it never comes up again. Oh. And you're like, Oh, okay. And then the way it ends, it's kind of like it leaves you on, like a cliffhanger it's like like this i don't think this is a spoiler but it's like a character that was involved and someone goes to that character and is like what happened and that character's like let me tell you and then it kind of like just ends and you're like mm. oh so there's no real like uh like closure on this um i think it's okay like there there's scenes that i really liked and then i think there's a lot of stuff that and honestly i think they were trying to do too much like they tried to put too much meaning into a lot of the stuff that they did without without any not even explaining it because like I hate when movies try to ex over explain stuff and you're like I get it I get it so I think this movie's okay in that sense where it's like they're they they don't like hand feed you anything but at the same time there's there's not a lot of connective tissue between these these ideas to link them together where you're like oh I get what's going on here. There's too many ideas that kind of float away. You're like, I don't really know what that meant. 
Mm. So that's my take on Hold the Dark, man. So it doesn't have werewolves. Mm. Alexander Skarsgård thinks he's a wolf. Yeah. And he wears a wolf mask and he kills people. But uh, that's about as werewolfy as it gets, I think. I also know that this movie is long. It's 2.05, I think, or 2.10. Mm. It, it, it clocks in just over two hours. Not nice. Yeah. But there's some scenes that I really like, like, because uh, it's all snowy. And there's, like, a little attention to detail about how snow is, like, in everything that I I, I kind of liked. There's a scene where people got get brought into a hospital. And it's, like, the entrance door of the hospital, the, like, uh, automatic doors. And they're bringing the stretchers in. And, like, all the snow is kind of, like, piling up in the entryway. And it's, like, all dirty and muddy and stuff like that. And I was, like, I like that. Because that is what winter is like here. Mm-hmm. You get snow and mud fucking yeah. everywhere. You're here in Alaska. Yeah, here in Alaska. So I that was like a little detail I actually really liked. I was like, I like that. It reminds me of this movie that I didn't realize was filmed here. But I was like, it reminds me of this place we live in right here where you get snow everywhere. So it's got stuff I like, but uh, I, I can see why people wouldn't like it. Poo-poo on it. Yeah, I would. Uh, I'd check it out again maybe in a couple years. For sure. Yeah, the uh, reception, the lack of reception and the bit that has trickled out, as I imagine a lot Mm -hmm. of people are saying, whoa, that Jeremy Solinger's got a new movie out and they're checking it out. And uh, that's been about it. No one's like really saying what they feel. It seems guarded and then it kind of turns negative and I'm like, yeah. Mm -hmm. I just actually looked over my uh, notes on Letterboxd about, I mean, keeping track of the Netflix originals that I've watched. Mm -hmm. And I've actually watched like, I guess the better half of the ones that I've wanted to see, but I mean, like mute. Well, that was, I, that fell on you, my friend. Oh, fell on me. Like when you mean, you told me to watch mute for the podcast. Yeah. And I did it because I'm a goddamn Patriot. I put you on an assignment. Yeah. Well, someone's got to keep the show afloat. I told you, but we've had, you know, we've had that hush. We've had that. Uh, I am the pretty thing that lives in the house. Uh, and, Anything Flanagan or Oz Perkins, yeah, Ger- I think, is uh, immune to this. Ger- uh, Gerald's Game. Oh, uh, we had that. Uh, even like you know, you had your like kind of higher profile Myrowitz stories. Um, yeah, that looks good. Uh, that reminded me that uh, Flanagan TV show coming out in a week is supposed to be the tits. What is that a direct quote? Is that that a, is, is that? a direct quote. This movie is the or this TV show is the tits. Yeah. So anyways, yeah, uh, you saw some good ones, but uh, I saw some bad ones. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. evens out, maybe. Yeah, it balances out. Things yeah. Coming up, Jarrett. Ah, uh, nice. Yeah. You got anything else there? Yeah. Uh, how do you want me to approach this? You do what you want to do. How many movies do you have to talk about? Well, I could talk up to one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Three of those are short films. Do you want to do even numbers? Because I did pre-Creeptober, but getting into Creeptober, do you, should I do like three and you do three, or should I do like three, you do four? Or? You, you can do, yeah, you go for it. You you tell the story. Tell the story? All right, so it's Creeptober, baby. We're getting into it. We're watching Ow. them horror movies. Ow! Uh, two days deep uh, uh, already, so I got six films. I've managed a, a three-a-night average which I do not think I'll be able to hold for the entirety of the month, but I'm trying to pile them in now while I can. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let me hit you with uh, hit, hit you with the start. Uh, I wanted to incorporate, uh, I want to start each Creeptober with a Creep movie. Uh, so I dipped into our good friend, 
Mr. David Dakota, uh, the man who brought us Nightmare Sisters, Sorority Babes at the Slimeball Bowlerama, and two of the absolute worst movies I have ever seen in Curse of Puppet Master and Retro Puppet Master. Yeah. Uh, this guy's a mixed bag, baby. Uh, but he has a movie called Creepazoids from uh, 1987. Stars your girl, Leanna Quigley, and a bunch of other uh, nothing actors. Uh, so I, I first saw this poster in, I think, Nightmare Sisters, or it was either Nightmare Sisters or Slimeball Bolorama. Uh, one of the frat boys has a poster in his room. And I was like, ooh, that looks cool. It's got creep in the title. I'm going to check no. it out. Uh, so this takes place in the future land of 1998. Uh, and it is six years after the world has been uh, just decimated by nuclear fallout. Uh, acid rain plagues the uh, outside world. Um, and there's just a band of survivors. So you're introduced to three guys, two, two broads. They're uh, military folk. And they're walking around. And uh, while this happens, you get this cool computer intro and uh, some pretty pretty sick synth music. Uh, they're walking around and then some clouds form and they're like, oh no, acid rain. We got to get out of here. Uh, so they run into a building. Uh, the building is stocked with food, supplies, uh, medical equipment. Uh, they're like, oh, this place is amazing. They're like, it must have been some kind of research facility. I wonder where all the people went. And they're like, doesn't matter. We're here now. Uh, we can enjoy this. Uh, so I think this is in one of the quasi-alien knockoff movies. So these guys move into this facility, and then uh, they start to get stalked by a creepazoid, uh, which is basically like it's a xenomorph from aliens, but it's kind of like a beetle. It's got like beetle pincers, and it's got real stubby little back legs, but it's got huge front arms. Uh, it looks kind of cool. Uh, you don't really ever see it kind of full on, but it looks okay. And what happens is you find out the government was like playing with amino acids, or, or as they say in this movie, the building blocks of the universe. Uh, they're playing with that, and these people get infected, and they start to puke black, and then they die. Uh, there's mutant rats. Uh, there is shower makeout scenes. Uh, only like how David Dakota, uh, Dakota, whatever, only like he could do. He, he loves makeout scenes. Uh, Andy thought this was possibly softcore porn. Uh, little did she know I would hit her with something way worse in only one day. Uh, so you get these guys. People start getting taken off. It's okay. It's got it's got cool parts that uh, I like. I don't think this movie is for everyone. Uh, it's it's cheesy eighties horror action. Uh, the acting is very bad, um, but it's got some fun stuff in it. I was like, yeah, I'm I'm on board with this mostly. Uh, the thing about this movie though, Jared, because I think ninety percent of it, you're like, eh. Because when I had when I was watching this, I was like, this is a two star movie at best. Uh, and then the last 20 minutes happens where uh, they fight one of these creepazoids and he they kill it. And then a like mutant fetus bursts out of this thing. And this thing is actually pretty awesome. Like it's they made this baby thing and it's kind of like half baby half xenomorph so like down one of its sides like on the ribs and spine it's kind of it's got like the xenomorph black alien 
uh, ribby stuff. And uh, it actually has awesome animatronics. It's got like eye movement, eyebrows, it's, it's cheeks move and stuff. Uh, it looks really awesome. Uh, so that thing is cool. There's like a fight scene for 20 minutes. But uh, other than that, it's it's not much to not much to write home about. So I'd say maybe just look up that little alien baby because the rest of it is like weird stuff where people just they're walking around, but they're not looking in front of them. And then they're like, oh, because it's like right there in front of them. A lot of that. But uh, Creepazoids, good way to uh, kick off the season. Excellent. You know what wasn't a good way to follow up a good kickoff to the season? What's that? Director Kevin Connors' Motel Hell oh. uh, with your buddy Rory Calhoun. You know that guy who always walking around? Yeah. Uh, famed actor from Night of the Lepus. Uh, you also have other actors. So this movie uh, I watched because it's got a pretty pretty cool poster. Mm-hmm. And I think a grossly inflated rating on Letterboxd. Uh, I'm looking right now. I have people I follow. Four stars. Four and a half stars. Three stars. Four stars. Uh, J-Dog, Jared Duncan, gave this a two stars, which I think is pro- probably pretty spot on. So this movie stars Farmer Vincent uh, and his associate ida this old lady you never really I, I was never really clear on what ida was to him but uh they run this motel but they also run a little farm out the back of it and uh he sells like beef jerky and smoked sausages and stuff like that it's got some pigs out back uh and uh the motel is where he sells a sausage people come in people check in Jarrett, but they don't check out <gasps> Uh, so what they do is it's kind of like your routine cannibalism type deal where they're like taking the people who stay at the motel and incorporating them into the sausages. Uh, but this movie is, I guess, unique in the sense that like they bury the people and, uh, like keep them alive, but cut their throats so they can't talk. So they're buried up to their heads and they like feed them their own food and stuff. Uh, I think it's they try to explain it, but they don't really touch on it. There's like one sentence where it's something like uh, you can't just like throw them in. They don't taste right. So I think the the idea is like they, they're, they're trying to like give them proper organic fresh food because there's a big thing about like no preservatives and stuff like that. So they're, they're like raising these people in the ground. Uh, John Ratzenberger, you know him as the piggy bank from uh, the Toy Story movies. Um, he's in there. Uh, anyways, this movie's super boring and there is this like romance that they try to like put in this thing and it's so fucking like forced and unnecessary and it, it fills up like this movie's an hour and 40 minutes and it's like 40 minutes of it and you're kind of like, where did this come from? Why is this here? So, uh, yeah, Motel Hell, uh, ain't that great, Jer? Yeah, uh, my memories of that movie are there's, like, bits of, like, people being planted. Mm-hmm. So they're just, like, heads being fed. Yep, which is cool. And they're being alive. Yeah, it's, it's, but it's goofy and kind of, yep. like, the tone of this movie. Because, like, people think of this as a comedy. and uh, Yeah, well, that's why I watched it. And I was like, this isn't a comedy. Well, just because it's not funny doesn't mean it's not a comedy. Oh. Yeah, it's one of those, I think. Uh, yeah. There's like a pig mask, a pig head. And, yeah, uh, which is okay. But there's uh, a chainsaw fight. Yeah, this movie kind of belongs to that wrong part of the universe that I don't like of like Rob Zombie movies. Yeah. 
I think this this would make an awesome trailer for a movie that didn't actually exist. Right. Like you take three minutes of that, like the pig head with the fighting chainsaws and the people buried. Just do that, and then like for three minutes, and then uh, that'd probably be pretty good. But other than that, nah, nah. So I'm gonna hit you with two more, Jer. Okay. Uh, so I next watch. I went to the '70s and I watched Shockwaves Whoa. by Ken Weederhorn. You know him. He made Return of the Living Dead two, and he made Meatballs Part two. Uh, so Shockwaves is a movie I've heard about for a long time. It has a pretty stellar poster mm-hmm. with these like uh, welding goggle wearing uh, soapy fleshy men. Uh, and I was like, ooh, shit, that looks cool. Uh, this has John Carradine. It's got Brooke Adams, who I was like, who is that? And I was like, oh, yeah, from uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. She kind of reminds me of uh, that lady who just died, who uh, played Lois Lane and was in Sisters. You know Lois Lane from the Superman movie, Jarrett? Mm-hmm. Margot Kidder. Yeah. yeah, Brooke Adams kind of looks like Margot Kidder. Yes, yeah, she does. Uh, and then uh, Peter Cushing, which uh, I didn't even know he was in this, and he popped up, and I was like, oh, shit, Peter Cushing's here. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this movie is, you get, like, uh, a group of, like, a couple girls, a couple guys. They're on this, like, sailing boat. They're just out for, like, a, a sailing trip. They're tourists, kind of. And their boat kind of, they encounter a storm and they're like lost at sea or something. And they stumble upon a, a remote island and they're like, oh shit, I guess we better go there. Uh, it was either like they were lost or their boat got wrecked or, yeah. I don't know. I wasn't really paying attention. Uh, that sounds bad, but it's true. And so they go on this island and it's like deserted, and then they found a an ask. They find an ascot wearing Peter Cushing, uh, in like the jungle, and he's got like SS Nazi flags everywhere. And uh, the whole time they're there exploring, every now and then you get a, a glimpse at these like really soggy skinned men coming out of the water, and they have like super blonde hair and welding goggles. Uh, and it's got some really nice images actually. Like, yeah. There's a couple scenes where they're coming out of the water, and I was like, ooh, shit. I was like, that looks that looks awesome. Mm-hmm. I put them on my Twitter. I didn't put them on our Instagram. Maybe I will later. But there's uh, some cool scenes of them, like, emerging from the water, and it's always, like, groups of them. All I remember about this movie is uh, taking tons of screenshots uh, yeah. for this. This is pre-podcast times, and just, yeah. like, throwing up on my Facebook because uh, I got a lot of normies on my mm-hmm. Facebook that were really like their minds were always blown by the fact that like horror movies could produce like really great visuals great images. Yeah. and uh, yeah, this movie's got a lot of those. Like, yeah, it's just like lots of, cause you get this great horizon line with these big empty spaces and just, these, where's like, the figures. horizon? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's got awesome horizons and figures and it's always like big open water. And they're always kind of like, just like sitting up out of the water. Yeah. It looks nice. It looks real nice. Uh, so those scenes are cool. Uh, and then you just kind of have the usual stuff. Yeah, like the what have they, you. Yeah, they take out like the members one at a time. They're, they're aquatic zombies. Yeah, aquatic zombies. That's a good and way to put or, it. Aqu- I, I, sorry, aquatic Nazi zombies. Yeah, there, there's like a backstory where they like genetically engineered these things to be like super soldiers. Uh, that doesn't really matter. Uh, if you're going to watch this movie, you're going to watch it for those sweet visuals of these zombie men coming out of the water. When they come up. When they come up. You, you, uh, you, you could maybe even enjoy this movie via Tumblr. Yeah, I think you could get uh, you could get the good parts of this movie just through 
strict images like visuals and gifs and stuff like that but uh yeah no shockwaves is okay it's got cool visuals it's a it's like a slow moving movie but uh there's nothing that truly stands out about it yep so then I got one more for you, Jarrett, and I'll just cover this because it's fitting. Uh, we got hit with some heavy snow, and a friend of the show, uh, Ryan Nagel, was amazed that I had never seen The Brood by a Canadian brethren, David Cronenberg. Uh, we talk about him a lot on this pod, um, where we will at least. Uh, he's done, did one of our favorite movies so far, and lots of his other movies are in there. Uh, like The Brood, which uh, I own, but I never watched it because I was like, oh, I'll get to it. Uh, and then I looked and I saw it was spine seven, seven, seven. And I was like, that's like nine years from now. That's a good luck like, number. That is a good luck number. So, uh, it is a winter horror movie, uh, that takes place in Toronto, Canada. And we got winter yesterday on October 2nd. So I was like, all right, I'll watch the brood. Um, the brood is about this like revolutionary psychotherapy, uh, which fits with our criterion creep tonight. Kind of, um, it's like so. There's this uh, psycho- uh, psychologist institute led by our close personal friend Oliver Reed, who I didn't know was in this, mm. and I saw him, and I was like, "Holy shit, he looks good!" Uh, so he is this like breakthrough uh, guru guy who's doing like all these crazy treatments uh, and like wild techniques to help people with all their their problems, uh, and you see that he's got all these kind of really immersive and strict treatments. Uh, and you're introduced to a guy who has a daughter and, uh, the daughter can see his, uh, his wife a couple times a, a week. Uh, but his wife is in this program and she's not allowed to talk to anyone else, but she can see the daughter once in a while. So, uh, dad takes her home and he realizes, uh, she's the daughter has like bruises all over her and he's like, fuck this shit. So he's like, Tries to go to the psychologist. He's like, yeah, she's not coming back here. But then the psychologist uh, company is like, no, we need this. And then what happens is you see uh, the dad. He's kind of like struggling trying to be a single parent and uh, fight for like custody of his daughter and do all these things while trying to build a case against this company. And he's like uh, interviewing with other people who had bad experiences through them. And then you see Oliver Reed and he's trying to do all these things with these patients and uh, particularly with uh, that guy's wife for some reason. She's like special, but you don't really know why. Uh, And then on the side, uh, people start getting murdered and they're always being murdered by like little kids in full Canadian snow gear. They're wearing like... uh, the matching coat and pant like snow pants uh that are just it's it's so this is this is what life is here seeing these people in these outfits and uh i love that so you get all these like really grisly scenes of like adults being killed by kids there's one scene where it's like a kindergarten teacher and uh these kids just fucking beat the shit out of Hammer. her like beat her to death yeah. and it's in front of like a, a room of actual like five-year-old kids and uh, some of them look like really scared. And I was like, holy fuck. I was like, I bet some of these kids have some pretty traumatic things when they grew up. Mm-hmm. Like being part of this movie, watching like these, uh, like this adult get beat, like beat to death by like other little kids. Uh, so this is The Brood. It's got lots of deep stuff in there. I won't talk about it too much because it is a future creep. Uh, but I love David Cronenberg and I, I really dig the way that he 
he kind of like projects this thing of like physical manifestations of inner things where it's like either inner feelings or desires or it's like a physical manifestation of a disease or something like that. And he has such a, a unique, unique way of interpreting things. And I think like showing them, yeah. uh, I love David Cronenberg, man. He's the coolest dead, dead ringers. We've talked about. It's one of our favorites. Mm-hmm. We'll get to video drone one day oh, and man. the brood. Uh, and well, I'm sure we'll have lots to say there, but, uh, yeah, I love, uh, love big Dave. He's a weird dude. And, uh, he's a King creep yeah. patron creep. I would say, yeah, 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 yeah. The you know the brood. I've like never been a huge fan of that movie, and I don't mm-hmm. know why. I Is it because lo- you're heartless? No, I just I don't like the way it's told. There's something about it that just okay. feels weird. And maybe like the next time I watch it, I'll feel better about it. But it's always been like one of those like from his like heyday movies. Uh, mm-hmm. I feel it's just like fine. Like it's not. It's like kind of cool, but it's just never. Uh, it's kind of like shivers and um rabid and yeah i don't know like outside of i mean videodrome obviously is like i think mm-hmm. like amazing and dead ringers uh mm-hmm. the fly those the fly. are those those three yep. are kind of like the top shelf cronenberg for me and then he, there's oh, yeah. there, there's his like kind of this odd little films this is his divorce movie oh yeah yeah because yep. uh yeah he was make, he was going through a divorce and it seems like uh these the, the the great uh, male directors they uh, when they get divorced inevitably they make stuff like this <laughs> address so, and- yeah yeah sorry but, yeah there's some, there's some uh, yeah no uh, I like the brood I thought it was really good yeah cool um well RJ I got some creeping for you uh you know I've been really I've it's been, about I know time. I've been slacking but uh, I'm here to turn that around. Mm-hmm. Uh, here we are talking for an hour already, and now Ooh. I'm going to drop some movies for you. So, uh, some pre creeping. I got some horrors in because uh, who knows how much uh, time I'm going to have to watch. Mm-hmm. So, I opened her up with some ho- house buying horror. Oh, no. Uh, the first movie I watched this season it was a movie called Open House. It's a 1987 slasher uh, starring no one of importance. Mm-hmm. Um, and this movie is just like exactly what you expect. It's a very lazy 80s slasher. It feels about like eight, like it was made in like the early 80s, but not released till the like 87 because they just were like, yeah, whatever, put it out. P- people mm-hmm. like these slashers and we'll call them the open house killer and it'll be great and people will be really into that. But there's no like cool killer with a neat mask. It's just like a fucking homeless guy who's <laughs> like mad about economic downturns who's now like killing real estate agents in houses and uh it's Mm -hmm. it's, it's got a shock jock disc jockey guy in it um his girlfriend oh it's adrian barbo i guess she's a name but i find that the hype around her is uh ridiculous she's like nothing special at all to me Uh, i'm unfamiliar with adrian barbo but i'll look her up now oh she's like in the fog and like other carpenter stuff, oh, she's, she's that. Yeah. She's, she's got that real nasty perm. Um, a real nasty perm. Oh, I hate that. Her hair. Nice. I hate it. And she's like, I'll yeah. Check it out. She she looks like a uh, gym teacher, like high school, like junior high, high school gym teacher to me. Like just. Hey, they serve an important part of the uh, society. Yeah, they're out there. They're doing God's work, but uh, I don't need them to be on the silver screen. Mm, she looks like she bumps it. She's got a like a beehive almost. 
Yeah. Uh, she's in a lot of uh, Jarrett picks. Tales from Halloween. Um, others. Yeah, she's she's a uh, people always like. Oh man, she's in Swamp Thing. Uh, ah, she's in a movie I'm watching this month. Yeah, she's in all sorts of movies. But anyway, yeah. so she's in this. She's like the draw, I suppose. Uh, but yeah, this mm-hmm. movie just like the deaths are uninspired. It's pretty plodding. Nothing happens. Mm-hmm. It's just. Was a a weak start, and I was very disappointed. There was not enough real estate punnery. Actually, okay, you know what? Mm-hmm. There's one thing about Open House that was okay. There's like this like big fat gross sleaze bag uh, realtor who's in it, who's just like full on just sexually harassing people in a way that uh, is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, even so, even back in like 1987, people frowned upon this behavior. But here we are, uh, and it seems like there's some debate about it. Um, and that, that now we can speak our mind, even though it's like, no, people, people had a problem with it back then too. People always have had a problem with this stuff, but, uh, he's gross. Uh, he's very, uh, reminiscent of some, uh, major politicians of our time. Oh Um, yeah. Yeah. That's right. I went there with with these heavy illusions. Um, Uh so yeah, so I got that the fuck out of the way. Uh, and then I watched another real estate horror film called terror tract terror tract yeah so this is an obscure one uh it Mm -hmm. features john ritter who's kind of in the the uh the bookends of this anthology horror Mm -hmm. uh he's a real estate agent who's trying to he has to try to sell this couple on a property in this particular neighborhood and he's got a deadline. He's got to do it before the end of the day for whatever reason. And, mm-hmm. uh, of course, uh, the problem he's got is he's got all these houses, but he has to tell the truth about what's happened in these houses and why they're for sale. And each one has a diabolical, horrifying death or such involved. <gasps> yes. So he kind of so he gets to crypt keep it. Uh, mm-hmm. John Ritter's pretty charming, as always. He's, uh, he's, he's rocking that, like, evil 80s dude beard. Heck, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and the stories are like your kind of bog standard tales from the crypt. Like, oh, a guy finds out his wife is cheating on him, and now she he's going to like set up a thing where he kills the wife and the lover and makes it look like it was mutual suicide. But then, nice. he, but they get the best of him, and then they throw him in the bog. But then, like guilt or supernatural things drive them all to kill themselves anyway. Uh, so yeah, that's nothing special. Uh, the second story is probably the one that most people talk about. It stars one Brian Cranston in his, like, one of his first theatrical, probably one of his, like, I don't know, first kind of leading role theatrical appearance. I'd seen Mm -hmm. him in a couple other things prior to this. And, uh, yeah, his daughter, he's got a relationship with, she's like, she found a monkey, a little monkey in the backyard. And, uh, it's an evil monkey and the monkey's causing havoc and, that's is, kind of, is it evil uh or is it is that kind of like uh what's that monkey Mon- monkey shines where? monkey shines yeah, yeah it's a little bit like that uh gotcha. p- people mention that because it's the another because it's monkeys evil evil monkey movie uh yeah. the, the one thing i'm very disappointed with because i spotted this immediately in the opening credits uh role of people in it this movie's got buff bagwell WCW superstar. Mm. Uh, he has a thankless role of just showing up and getting killed. Spoilers. And then the <sighs> third story uh, is about a kid who's got psychic visions of a killer named The Granny who goes around 
it's just a person wearing a granny mask, like from a Halloween shop and like a black cloak and just going around killing people. But he's getting these visions of it happening. And uh, um, he's telling a psychiatrist about this. We're supposed to think that he's the granny killer. And uh, yeah. So this Buff Bagwell, you said he was in gay porn? What? Yeah, well, he's, he's a gigolo. He, based on these images, he, it looks like he has a certain profession. Yeah, he's a he he does do sex for money now because that sex for yeah, money. He, he is a gigolo, legit. That is uh he. Oh yeah, he will. If you pay the price, he will do things for you. Uh, Good for him. Yeah, that's what you do sometimes. That's part of the. Uh, the other side of the pro wrestling story, they don't tell you when you're not the rock uh, or uh, mm. have a real job. You sometimes do things when you got that body that people desire. Anyways, so, uh, yeah, this movie's not mm. great, but uh, it's got kind of a neat ending, I guess. The, the whole framing device explains of things. You're like, oh, that's neat, but I'd like to see a movie about that thing rather than this whole framing device Right, the thing that the framing device is better, I think, than the actual short stories, which is kind of goofy. But I, I, I'm picking up what you're laying down. Yeah, Kyle. it's you're not you're not missing anything with this one. Yeah. Uh, and then I watched a real movie, my first movie on the first. A real movie. Yeah, uh, Son of Frankenstein. Ooh, shit! You mean a real movie? Yeah, uh, Universal. Uh, my, mm-hmm. which I was like, oh yeah, I, I guess I should watch one of those because that's that's the real deal. So anyway, Son of Frankenstein, uh, it is a sequel to the other movies, kind of. Uh, mm-hmm. Frankenstein's son is here to take the throne as Baron. Oh, I was going to say, like, the doctor? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because cause now, because obviously the monster is dead. Or is he? Of course. He? Uh, of course he's not, because uh, Igor, played here by Bela Lugosi, He's like scheming around. His neck's all fucked up, and uh, mm-hmm. which is explained that uh, he was found guilty of like helping with the monster. So they <laughs> this, the village of Frankenstein hung him, but nice. and they pronounced him dead. But he wasn't. But his neck's all messed up now. Fuck, I've been there, man. Yeah. So that's that's a neat little touch. Um, and then yeah, so young young Frankenstein moves to town with his uh, wife and little moppet child with his big old head of curly hair who's like so fucking annoying this is like an all-time annoying little kid in a movie mm. uh, you hate little kids in uh, movies this, eh? this one's real bad because this kid can barely talk uh yeah and and, and, and and this kid's given way too much dialogue uh yeah so anyway i don't know it's you, you, what happens is the igor shows up and he shows hey look frankenstein's monster still alive but now he's wearing like the uh the sheep uh cloth cloak or the vest, the sheet cloak. Who thought that was a good idea? Yeah, that's, so the Frankenstein's rocking that look now. Boris Karloff is still the monster here. Doesn't get to do very much at all. Like, no line, lines of dialogue at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, the best thing going for this movie, though, is, like, the production design. Like, the actual sets and stuff. They're, like, Ooh, re- yeah. they're really stripped down, but, like, very uh, German expressionistic um, and very evocative, RJ. Ugh. Mm-hmm. Ugh. What do you mean? There's just like dicks everywhere. Or? No. <laughs> no. Well, <laughs> well, I don't follow then. <laughs> they're uh, they're they're good horror spook show uh, settings. 
like like crazy big stairs and like spaces of like people like disappearing around the corner and then appearing from another side and you're like pictures Whoa. of Buff Bagwell Buff Buff everywhere. Buff, well, he is the Buff and he is the stuff. Um, mm. And uh, yeah, I mean the movie just has the ex- exact trajectory you'd expect of a Frankenstein movie. They're all kind of the same old thing. Uh, the movie definitely has a pretty sweet uh, climax where, mm-hmm. uh, like Buff Bagwell, where. Um, there's like the <laughs> there is the there's the delay. There's the one armed uh, like sheriff of the village, the law enforcement, who's like mm-hmm. a, one arm, and there's a lot of like kind of visual gags of him using his like mechanical arm to do things. And at one point, uh, old uh, Wolf Frankenstein's like, well, "What do you even know about the monster? Has anyone even seen this monster?" People always say they have. And then the sheriff explains that as a young child, Frankenstein actually came to his house. And killed his father and tore his arm off, uh, and you're like, um, I don't, I don't remember that from the uh, the, the 30s, the early 30s that, film. That's some of that shared universe stuff. Yeah, and so uh, anyway, uh, so there's the big climax uh, above the, the the sulfur pit uh, in the laboratory because there's just now just a giant like pit of sulfur boiling at the bottom of a uh, the old lab. And uh, Frankenstein's got the kid for some reason. And uh, Mm -hmm. Sheriff shows up to, like, put him down. And uh, old Frankenstein tears off his prosthetic arm and starts swinging around, starts, like, swatting at the bullets being fired at him. Uh, That's pretty badass. Nice. And then uh, old uh, Wolf Frankenstein, he, like, swings in on some, like, rappel cables and just boots Frankenstein right into that burning sulfur pit and he just mm. is fucking dead and that's the end of Good. frankenstein um and uh you'll never see the monster ever again maybe you'll never see the monster yeah. ever again yeah unlike in the house of frankenstein and subsequent frankenstein movies did you know there's over like a hundred frankenstein movies i wouldn't be surprised i'm sure there's a lot of sherlock holmes as well did you know there's like over a hundred frankenstein movies and what about dracula no. No. I think there's like eight. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I watched uh, a film from the American Genre Film Archive. <gasps> sounds very classy. It's called Effects. Uh, this is the same DVD Blu-ray label that's put out such films as Bat Pussy. Oh, God. <laughs> you can go okay. back several episodes and check out that because that was a stunning piece or of filmmaking. Don't. Definitely do. <laughs> or uh, don't, whatever. It's, it's great. It's great, folks. Effects um, mm-hmm. is a kind of a meta film. It is a movie about uh, a group of low-budget filmmakers out in the middle of nowhere making mm-hmm. a movie. But are they just making a movie? Are they all willing participants? Or is there something more nefarious going on? What do you mean by nefarious? Are they? Is the filmmaker who's making these movies actually making a snuff film? And his actors don't know it. What do you mean by snuff? (laughs) Real unsimulated death, RJ. What do you mean by... Shut up, Jared. Ask Buff Bagwell about that. I don't want to ask him. He seems like a sexual deviant. (laughs) And with his fuzzy top hat and his overalls. (laughs) That beaded necklace thing. Real prevert, if you ask me. No. Uh, So effects. Uh, I like 
this movie. Um, mm-hmm. I wouldn't like be going out of my way to be like, dude, you gotta watch effects. Uh, the movie's kind of a neat little throwback. It was made in 1978 uh, by a bunch of guys who worked on Dawn of the Dead and Martin. So they're like kind of all Pittsburgh guys working on George Romero, and they got together and they made their own little movie. And uh, Tom Savini's in this. I did he did all the makeup and mm. stuff like that? Murder special effects. That's uh, cool. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. This is what for me, Creeptober. Uh, 31 Days of Horror, whatever you call it, Hooptober. Uh, Don't call it Hooptober. <laughs> Toby Hooper sucks ass. I hate him. Effects <laughs> uh, uh, is like what it's all about for me. These like kind of like weird little oddball movies that just don't feel like regular movies. Uh-huh. Um, I got I to gotta get this out here. Um, what? I was like skimming through Netflix looking at yeah. movies uh, about what I, what I could watch, what I could watch for free and legitimately. Uh, and then I was like, oh, Black Panther's on here. And uh, I just like kind of, mouth- I cursored over to it and it automatically starts playing like a clip from the movie. Uh, it's a movie I still have never watched. Mm-hmm. And it's just like SUV Jeeps getting flipped over and going flying through the air, sparks, and uh, the CGI looks like crap. Like just utter shit, and uh, I'm like, man, this is what I'm. This is what I watch movies like effects for because they don't feel like anything like this. Because it seems like mm-hmm. every movie has like jeeps being flipped over, or like they're driving toward a guy and the guy punches down onto the hood, and then the jeep goes flying forty feet into the air in slow motion in multiple angles, and it's like, yeah, effects is not that at all, um, and or like bad Netflix horror movies or thrillers or whatever the fuck. Uh, it just, I don't know. I liked it. I liked that part of it. Um, effect. Uh, other movie I watched, uh, this came as a recommendation as a bunch of people suddenly watched it all at the same time on Letterboxd called Scream for mm-hmm. Help. This is a Michael Winter film. Michael Winter being the director of films like Death Wish, Death Wish 2, Death Wish 3, uh, The Sentinel, a bunch mm-hmm. of other... Uh, ludicrous crap uh he is a pervert and this movie kind of displays a lot of his perverse notions about film making and storytelling this is a movie about a young girl who suspects that her stepfather is trying to kill her mother uh the stepdad here is played by a guy who is like kind of a dennis reynolds uh ted bundy kind of dude which is good casting i guess because those are dangerous types of men um and in this story, it's just like you get these ridiculous, shitty edits, scene to scene, that are just like they don't make any sense. There's no build up. There's no like easing out, building up the next scene. It's just like cut, 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 and let's have this girl do voiceover narrations over mm-hmm. all the stories to not leave anything to the imagination. Just make sure that the audience understands what's happening at all times and what her motivations are. Uh, this is between her running to every single place that she needs to be. It's kind of ridiculous. I've never, it's, I've never seen a character run so much in a movie before. Was she working on her fitness? No, she's just running. Maybe it's to speed things up. So she just runs room to room, across streets, down streets, riding her bike, driving cars. She's always just. Then when she gets out, she starts running. Maybe it's just because she's can't fit in an exercise in her busy daily schedule. So she like finds the time while she's doing other stuff. Maybe, maybe you shouldn't be so judgmental. Maybe I, this is a weird thing for me to notice watching this movie that she runs an awful yeah. lot. 
I get it. I noticed some weird stuff in other yeah, movies uh, I watched. I'll, I'll get to you, them. You don't say. So, um, mm-hmm. so in this here movie, uh, we get some re- kind of ridiculous, awesome stunt work with involving the mother. Uh, her just going flying downstairs, like shit, and then she breaks her leg, gets into a uh, wheelchair, and then later on gets thrown down another set of stairs. And which one? This poor stunt person doing the work takes this fucking wheelchair to the back after falling down the stairs. Nice. And nice. he's like, "Good God!" <laughs> like, and and then they then she just gets up and she's fine. She's can I what? Can I interject? Can I derail you again? Yeah. Is it like in a conspiracy theory when Mel Gibson's tied to the wheelchair and he goes down all the stairs? Is it kind of like that? Does he take a front bump? Uh, some other men do, and that was real stunt work. Yeah. I don't think Mel Gibson himself was in the wheelchair, but uh, could have been. Okay. Do you uh, remember that part? No, it's it's been a very long time since I saw that movie in the theater. <sighs> all right. Keep going. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the movie just has these like kind of goofy setups of like her coming home and like, oh, I have to go wash my hands. He's like, oh no, don't go in there. And then she opens up the door and he like opens up a window and he's like, wait, this there was a gas leak in the bathroom. You were trying to kill both of us. <laughs> he's like, no, I wasn't. Oh, it does smell like gas. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> things like that. And people being electrocuted by electrical boxes and pools of water. Uh, which all play into the Home Alone-esque home invasion conclusion of the movie. Um, oh, yeah, I, I I don't know. Some people really got excited about this movie, um, and that's fine, I guess, but this movie's not very good. It's not even really a horror movie. It's a, it's a thriller. Uh, I've seen a lot of these. It feels exactly the same as the stuff that would come in the 90s. This is from 84. But meh, mm. yeah. Blah, 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 blah. What else do I want to talk about here? I watched this movie with a. Uh, it's got an awesome poster with a giant pair of hands running with a pair of scissors on like baby legs. Oh shit! That sounds uh, cool. I don't want to be born, aka the devil mm. inside her. It's about a relatable. Like, it's about a stripper who runs afoul of a midget gypsy who places a curse on her. And then her baby Ooh. proceeds to kill people, uh, kind of a Damien slash Rosemary's Baby slash Exorcist movie. So it's all very original, uh, set in Britain. And uh, there is, like, nothing at all to recommend this movie at all. <laughs> so you're saying it might go down as your favorite creep this October. Very well might yeah that, that sounds like a hooptober pick not a creeptober pick yeah. uh yeah i'll throw a couple of my short films i watched uh this one called, this one called foxes it's from two, <gasps> it's from 2011 it's got a cool poster on letterboxd um it is like 15 minutes long it is about a young couple living in this really strange like big empty estate that is very graphically pleasing but it's, but it's what do you mean by graphically? It like it's just like one of those like as perfect picturesque lines everywhere. It's just it looks like a uh, a completely fake community. Like they just took a house and they kept cloning it over and over and over again. The mm. fence line runs perfectly. Okay. The roof lines are all identical. But they're like in this area. It's like there's no one that lives there except for them. Um, and it's like this woman's got like a, a struggling photography business and, uh, her husband's working. They're under some financial hardship, I suppose. And then, um, 
I don't know, she starts seeing foxes hanging out and she goes and photographs some foxes and then she starts getting weird and more sexually aggressive and uh, and then she runs off and disappears. And then RJ, he, he's like, what's what? happened to her? What's happened to my wife? And then she, he sees the foxes. And then he sees one of the foxes and it's got the same, <gasps> no. it's got her, it's got eyes like hers and it makes some ungodly scream. And that's the end. Um, it's very well photographed. Like it looks good. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it feels like a student kind of project or like kind of like, uh, someone working toward making like a bigger movie. It's got a, it's very clunky even for a short film. It doesn't have a lot to it. It's got really abrupt editing and pacing, uh, stuff going on with it. Like that probably a lot of short films do. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's kind of just a thing. It's got foxes. Foxes are neat. They're- are they in any sort of uh, real life danger? No, by uh, being in this. I, 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 there, there's some like there's some like CGI foxes, and they all they do is like walk around. They don't like do anything. Mm. There's not there's not a lot going on with those foxes, and they just Questionable. go. <sighs> yeah, foxes. Um, they're like cat dogs, eh? A little a bit. fox. We had some at the Baylog auction a while ago, and uh, they got like big poofy tails. But they're they're kind of like dogs, but they're kind of like cats. Yeah, they're they're confused. Cat dog. We're all confused. Mm. Uh, and then uh, just this afternoon, I watched a thirty minute British made for TV short film called A Child's Voice from like nineteen seventy eight or seventy nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is some old school uh, kind of spookiness. It's about a uh, radio show host from some point in time in the heyday of radio who writes mm-hmm. his own little short horror stories. He has a weekly, he has a Monday, Wednesday, Friday show, and he just tells these stories and chapters over the course of the week. And um, this, he's got kind of a high attitude about himself and what he does. Um, and then he he writes this one story that he starts telling, and but then he starts getting a phone call from a child telling him to mm. stop telling the story. And um, so one thing I noticed, like I watched a couple other short films that I won't talk, get into, but there's something about like the use of audio in a lot of these. Um, Foxes really overdoes it or it like thinks I'm going to put menacing audio sounds over my what I'm doing because instead of like trying to actually, mm. it's like, it's kind of a crutch. Yeah, I I gotcha. Yeah, it's a, it's a real Blumhouse trick too, I feel. Oh, did they Skype? Uh, there's this, well, I guess radio at one point was the Skype of its time. Uh, and Fox's mm. uh, Skype is not allowed to be introduced though. A coffee, uh, does get spilt on a laptop. So yeah. Yeah. Did, did you hear that? I did. Uh, yeah, it makes sounds. Yeah. You make sounds. So a child's voice. Uh, yeah. This, so this guy just like runs afoul of some sort of child voice on a phone and it's like played pretty straight. Uh, it's effective. I liked it. Um, I'm going to probably try to watch more of these kind of um, made-for-TV British ones because they are all on YouTube, and mm-hmm. uh, I can throw them on at work during a lunch break. I might throw you on at work during a lunch break. Well, I hope not. Stay away from me, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I, I like that you watch shorts. I think it's a nice addition to the show. Yeah. Because shorts are good too sometimes. Sometimes it, it, it kind of uh, it's the spice of life variety. Yeah, I like spice. Yeah. Here, RJ. What? You got any news? Uh, the Birds of Prey movie just cast their Renea Montoya. Man. Cr- Criterion Creep alumni, Rosie Perez. 
Holy shit. I bet you weren't expecting them to uh, cast that 40 years older than what the character is. <laughs> I don't know. I don't care. I just saw that. There's yeah. no real news this week, I don't no. think. Uh, that Venom movie is a pile of shit, apparently. Yeah. But, but uh, apparently, the... but there's like a whole like new level that like uh, there's like internet wars brewing. There's mm. like something about like Lady Gaga fans are like trying to get them to go see A Star is Born instead. Um Oh, there, there's so, some there's some okay. weird there's some hilarity going on about like people's conspiracies and like DC mm-hmm. fans are trying to like undermine bad movies and and then there's talk about like how like the the hate of Last Jedi was all Russian trolls all along and uh, the internet's a horrible sh- garbage place. What are we doing I, on it? We should okay. leave. We should just go, well, leave. we're not on the internet. My mic's not connected to anything. Yeah. Maybe this is living? maybe podcasts are like one of the safest places you can be because it's not like immediate and like people can't just like grab it. They'd have to like go, go through the effort of like listening to it and then like typing out what you wrote. Mm-hmm. Hey, these opinions are long stewed, baby. That's why I'm not watching that, Mandy. I'll wait until November yeah. once all that buzz has died down, and then I'll hit you with some real, real yeah, talk. Or, or you'll never watch it. Or never. Yeah, that's fine too. <laughs> Cool. Hey, are you gonna watch um, GeForce or Knowing this Creeptober? Because uh, Knowing's on Netflix, you have no reason not to watch it now. I, I have plenty of reason not to watch that. Uh, I believe me and your friend, Mister Ro- Roger Ebert, <laughs> gave it four stars each. So I don't know what you're waiting for, man. Just do it. Just do it. Yeah. So news, eh? That's Pretty it. Pretty wild. Yeah. Well, th- my news is time to move on. Oh. Ay. After the break, uh, we're going to go on more adventures with Big Al. Who? The biggest Al. Weird Al? Dr. Freud, Dr. Freud, Dr. Freud, how we wish you had been differently employed. For this set of circumstances still enhances the finances of the powers of Dr. Sigmund Freud. Well, it happened in Vienna not so many years ago, when not enough folks were getting sick. That a starving young physician tried to better his position by discovering what made his patients tick. He forgot about sclerosis, but invented the psychosis and a thousand ways that sex could be enjoyed. He adopted as his credo down repression up libido, and that was the start of Dr. Sigmund Freud. Oh, Dr. Freud, Dr. Freud, march it in, Dr. Freud, how we wish you had been differently employed. For this set of circumstances still enhances the finances of the powers of Dr. Sigmund Freud. Well, he analyzed the dreams of the teens and libertines and substituted Don't forget this man. He has plenty to do with the terrifying mystery that causes this glamorous woman to risk her life and reputation in a reckless experiment. A woman who, because of her consuming love for this man, gambles everything to unlock the fearful secret in his heart. What insidious meaning did he read into the markings on a tablecloth? Why, even when he held his sweetheart in his arms, did he gaze in fear at the dark lines of her robe? These are some of the clues in the motion picture which bears Hollywood's most distinguished mark of quality.
this is your first honeymoon. Yes. I mean, it, it would be if it were. told you not to forget this man. He is Alfred Hitchcock, the famous director whom you are not likely to forget after you see Spellbound. And we're back. This is the Criterion Creeps podcast, and tonight we're talking about Spellbound from 1945, directed by Alfred Hitchcock. Tagline for the film, the maddest love that ever possessed a woman. And the synopsis for the film, when Dr. Anthony Edwards arrives at a Vermont mental hospital to replace the outgoing hospital director, Dr. Constance Peterson, a psychoanalyst, discovers Edwards is actually an imposter. The man confesses that the real Dr. Edwards is dead and fears he may have killed him, but cannot recall anything. Dr. Peterson, however, is convinced his imposter is innocent of the man's murder and joins him on a quest to unravel his amnesia through psychoanalysis. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. So what what, what do we got here, RJ? We got ourselves an Alfred Hitchcock-directed movie. We got Ingrid Bergman, Mm -hmm. one of his dames that we're going to see next week. Uh, we got Greg Peck, Big Greg, not Cary, mm-hmm. not Cary Grant, um, but uh, yeah. And then we got this movie that when I've been watching, reading about this movie and was watching it, I'm like Shutter Island. <laughs> uh, okay. So wait, have you never <laughs> seen Spellbound before? No, never. Okay, uh, I'm not even kidding. The first thing I wrote down was Shutter Island. And Andrea and I were talking about that the whole time because I was like, this feels like Shutter Island. And then like half an hour in, she's like, is this like the original Shutter Island? I was like, I don't know. Probably not. But I mean, I bet Dennis Lehane probably had seen uh, Spellbound before he wrote that book. So I'm sure uh, Big Big Marty's a fan. Talking about revolutionary psychotherapies. Yeah. Like in the preamble. See, it all comes around. Yeah, it's kind of like how all those movies ripped off Rebecca last week. And, and, exactly. And now we've got this one movie, and all, all movies that address psychoanalysis uh, ripping yeah. off Spellbound. Um, Maybe. So what do we have here with Spellbound? we got a movie. It kind of follows mm-hmm. the, um, the classic Hitchcock trope of the wrong man. Uh, but in this case, it's a man who thinks he did it, but, and he's not convinced he's the wrong man, but we have a protagonist, a female protagonist, who does think he is the wrong man. Um, the right man, maybe. Or, and maybe he's the right man as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he, I mean, Gregory Peck, I mean, he's a he's a dashing, handsome fellow, right? He's got, like, a weird structure. So there's a scene when you first get introduced to him, and he's wearing, like, the hugest fucking coat in the world. It See, is so... Okay. <laughs> in the, in the uh, preamble, RJ was making some comment about like how sometimes he obsesses about these strange details and things that most people would let slide. But here we are. Continue. 
Is it not the hugest, most hugest fucking coat you have ever seen? I never thought I'm about gonna, it. I'm going to get a screen grab okay. right now of this fucking coat, and I'll put it on the Instagram because it is gigantic, man. And it doesn't fit his body at all. It's like he has huge shoulders, and the coat like comes up to his chin, and it goes down to his ankles. Like It's the, it's the biggest coat I've ever seen. So any, what, do you, what do you mean I obsessive? You, you were the one who brought that up earlier. I don't think I obsessed <laughs> – uh, well, this movie's got quite a bit, actually. So oh, man. I'll get there, but keep talking about okay. uh, Gregory Peck and his uh, weird wardrobe and body movements. So, <laughs> okay, uh, I'll leave that to you. But uh, yeah, you've been really obsessed with people moving through space this week. It's so fucking weird. People don't know how to like move when there's a camera on them, and I don't get it. It's like just be normal. Uh, it's kind of it's a uh, weird be normal. It's blocking and stuff. So anyway, so this movie. I don't know. I don't know a lot about psychoanalysis. I I, I don't. Do you, I, I've never gone to one. I've uh-huh. all, I, all I know is what I know from like Woody Allen movies and from like oh. like thrillers. It seems like mm-hmm. th- they catch serial killers and are called in to catch them, and then they get tied into things. That's that's the extent of my uh, knowledge. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, 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 they help like neurotic Jewish guys. So this sure movie do. though, it didn't seem to. Really, I don't know. Did it? It didn't ring much to me as being truthful to what it was. Um, mm-hmm. I was also thinking about, uh, actually, because we also talked about David Cronenberg in the preamble, uh, mm-hmm. a, a, uh, was it Dangerous Method? Method? Yeah. That, yep. that, the Carl Jung one? Yeah, which was kind of like uh, more of like a drama between the, the people involved rather than uh, sure was a statement about, well, maybe it was a statement about the weirdness of psychoanalysis and how it, like even the people who created it were fucked up and how can people who created like this messed up thing actually yeah. create a system to like measure people's messed upness. Um, so this movie, uh, what was that? Messed upness. That, that, oh. that, that, that is the technical term. You can look it up. It's somewhere okay. in that uh, PS4 or five. M thing, you know, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying. Anyways, I don't. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so this movie has some some interesting ideas about psychoanalysis. It seems like a lot of it was uh-huh. like taken out of a textbook uh, of like this is what it does and this is how we treat things, and it's very yeah. like cold and Hollywoodish in its approach to those topics. Um, and then you have the, I guess you'd say, rampant sexism. Uh, it's a, a combination of uh, Hitchcock, uh, the screenplay itself, the mm-hmm. actors, the characters. I don't know. It's, it's you can't just say, well, it's just the characters of the time. It's like, no, it's the movie. Like it, yeah. it, the movie totally is. Like, there's no getting over that. Whatever. It maybe if the movie was better, maybe these things wouldn't be a problem. Because honestly, RJ, I don't know. I don't really think much of this movie. I kind of went in kind of knowing that I wasn't going to love this movie because I've always heard mm. people kind of like are pretty indifferent about this one. Um, yeah. I've never been in a rush to watch it. Basically, the only thing I knew about this whole thing going in, like I said last week, was the mm-hmm. uh, the Dolly stuff, the, the dream sequence stuff. Um, yeah. Because it's like very different from like the rest of the movie. Um, and it's like, 
pretty different than anything else Hitchcock kind of did for the most part. Um, mm-hmm. Where it's like, but it's just like full on just surrealist stuff. It's kind of like somebody's idea of what surrealism is, where it's like, hey, there's eyes <laughs> and they're dripping mm-hmm. and someone's running across a flat space and it looks just like the paintings that we all recognize. But it's like one dude's particular paintings. And it's like this really weird stylized way of like, people started thinking that dreams were and mm-hmm. my, my introduction to like surrealism, like that style was like Looney Tunes cartoons. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's cool in a cartoon. And then you start doing a live action, but then you like grow up and you re- self reflect and realize I don't dream like that. This is just like crappy. Oh, cliche. You- this is like how, I don't know to me, it, it's just cliches. It's like when people okay. are like, man, it's just like a dream. And I'm like, I've mm-hmm. never had a dream in my entire life. Like the way people, say they have dreams like it's bullshit to me yeah um it's like i mean my dreams are usually it's like me like not being able to get to a certain kind of food and i'm just like and i'm like always trying to get to it do you ever have that dream i have that all the time my my dreams rj are stress related usually either they're like like it's they're all it's all stress it's always about like some sort of thing you, the, you gotta be careful I, man. I have like work dreams those things suck you're gonna get shingles if you're stressed out <laughs> about your work too bad uh trust so me it's it's uh, it's about my life so it's not i i should have shingles constantly if that were going to become a problem you might how often do you assess your own body uh i guess not enough maybe <laughs> Hey, get three or four mirrors and I'll talk you through it, okay? Yeah, he was just stunned by that. He yeah. couldn't even talk. Yeah, I was uh, parched. This is stress- mm-hmm. this is stressing me out, all this psychoanalysis. Sure. Um, yeah, so I mean, I don't know. This movie's got some like kind of kitschy, campy things that are funny. Uh, that, that, that ski hill bit is just oh my like, God. it's such trash like there's like sometimes people give shit out to movies with like rear projection when they're driving and it's just like oh that's so old and hokey Mm -hmm. and i'm like whatever guys it's just the way movies were made but this this downhill skiing scene with these two like skiing side by side in unison Mm -hmm. is some real ridiculous bullshit it's like it's so cornball it has not aged well at all and they're 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 communicating and talking at the same time it's like clearly it's like not only has no one in this movie ever like really thought about dreaming but they've also never Mm -hmm. skied i mean obviously alfred hitchcock does not look like a man who skied he doesn't look he does not look like an outdoorsman i think he he relates most to that picnic scene where uh they they come back covered in like mustard and they're like "Ooh, was it hot dogs and it's like oh it was liverwurst i bet al wrote that scene and he's like yeah i've fucking been there man uh but yeah that uh ski scene i don't know there's a lot of like underbite teeth grinding like like to show that they're moving but it's like that's not faces people make what is this what are you doing gregory peck yeah get Uh, back in the courtroom and then you get the the big reveal uh which like oh yeah a child being impaled uh it's so Uh like i think it's supposed to be like a like a big aha moment uh it's it's definitely no rebecca (laughs) aha moment because mm-hmm. it's more just like, oh man, where's the gif of that? And you find your there it is. <laughs> yeah, I have some opinions on that. And, and then you get the big fake hand. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's <laughs> this movie. Um, 
anyway. Tell me how you really feel. I don't know. I can't. I don't take this movie very seriously. Uh, it's like not a terrible movie, but it's not great. Um, it's. I think. Mm, it's, I don't. Even, I don't think it's as good as uh, Thirty Nine Steps. So I'd say it's like the. Yeah, I'd say yeah. it's, it's the weakest of the the Hitchcock so far uh, in the collection. I'm inclined to uh, back up what you're spouting. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, this movie's just kind of a disappointment all around. RJ, mm-hmm. uh, what, what did you think of this year, Spellbound? Well, so you're talking about this psychoanalysis stuff. I don't know if you know this, Jarrett, but I have a couple degrees in psychology and, uh, you know, that master's in the neuroscience thing. I've uh, I spent some time doing some some research so i'm just gonna assume the role of authority on psychology and stuff like that okay. and uh if anyone feels like they can challenge that uh you bring it on big boy uh so anyways uh i had a problem with this i had the same problem with this movie that i did with uh, the samuel fuller movies like shock corridor mm. so shock Cor- corridor gets People really dig that movie. It's got cool stuff in it. But one of the big problems I had with that was I was like, they don't give people enough credit. Uh, And like the human psyche and like all these things where even when these movies where they're trying to relate to whatever the popular scientific belief at the time is. uh, And it's like that. That's nice that they're like trying to stay current with like whatever academic research is at. It's like, that's great. That's what you should do. Uh, But then when you watch it, like. 80 years later, you're like, oh, yeah, it's kind of dated. Uh, and it's like you were kind of saying they they re- it's not that it's dated research because I I know a lot about like these old styles and techniques in psychology. And I realize like where it was and then how it's gotten to now. And you can appreciate like where they build off of these things. It's not that it's dated stuff. Uh, the problem that I have with it is kind of like what you were saying, where it's it's a very Hollywood approach to it, yeah, where it's that's... very liter- it's very literal, it's cold, and it's like it's like, hey, we just read the definition. Let's make a movie on this. Make a picture. And, uh, we're gonna make a picture on this uh, psychoanalysis. Mm. Yeah, oh, oh, Selznick wants this in five days. Make it. Yeah. Make, <laughs> make make it happen. Ding. Oh, and they're all slapping their hands with like big. Yeah. Anyways, it's just like that. Hail Caesar. Yeah, exactly, which is a movie that neither of us liked for <laughs> reasons. But that's the problem I have with this. And it, it's like I said, it's not it's not that it's dated theory. It's that the interpretation of it is so stiff that I don't think that any anyone actually thought about this. Because like in Shock Quarter, they don't give people enough credit. Everyone has these like super profound subconscious like psychoses where it's like oh it's in uh like your repressed memories and it's uh the locked doors of the mind that you don't have access to and it's like all right okay it's like there's certain times things like this happen where people like his whole big thing is like he has amnesia and he has it for like full just like years of his life he doesn't remember any of his childhood he doesn't remember anything from the last like eight years and it's like okay there's been like 
real extraneous like cases where like stuff like that has happened but i feel like this movie like builds it up to a sense where it's like it, it could happen to you and that's like what they try to make scary yeah. it's like you might have repressed memories that you don't know about and you could have killed your brother and it's just like like it's like i was saying they don't give people enough credit where it's all about it's all about like not believing in like the human psyche where it's like, no, people are stronger than you think. We're not that fragile. But then the movie also like side skirts it to this like polar opposite end of this spectrum where it's like they trust people too much where it's like this lady. It's like, why, why would she trust this guy at all? Like he's clearly like crazy. And she's like, I love you. And he's like, I love you too. And it's like, where does this romance come from? Like these two people who, who had like one picnic together, which is that's like a movie thing in general. But yeah. I just I feel like I, I don't think they contrast really well. Where it's like they don't believe in people at all where it's like you. This is like how fragile you are. Well, but then at the same time, it's like, but yeah. we got to trust people because, look, he was innocent and no one believed in him. Mm-hmm. And it's like, uh, I, I don't dig on that, man. So uh, Spellbound, uh, that's that was my rant for you. But. Uh, I agree. Uh, I didn't like Spellbound a whole lot. Uh, Andrea didn't either. She, uh, When we were about half an hour in, she was like, this isn't as good as uh, Rebecca, hey? Oh. And I was like, no, it's not as good as uh, not as good as Rebecca. So she's on board with all these Hitch movies. Uh, she's watched a bunch with me before. So she's a, she's a good like... Uh, like gauging rod on like general opinion on this stuff. And she was just like, yeah, this movie's not that good. And I was like, no, it's not. But I don't know, like, cause this was a first time watch for me too, but I feel like the title has way more weight to it than the movie itself does. Yeah. Cause when I, when I saw it, I was like spellbound. I was like, yeah, that sounds cool. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't know what that's about, but sounds like a real ass movie. Yeah. And then you watch it and you're like, Oh, it's nothing. It's about like men are shitty women are dumb and everyone has repressed memories. Cause I think that was like the other like through lines for this movie. It was like men are really shitty. You see like that borderline rapist guy, uh, trying to pick her up at the hotel. You see all the other doctors make fun of her because she's a woman. And then like there, there's even a line in this where the one guy's like, uh, let me read it. The mind of a woman in love is the lowest level of intellect. And you're just like, whoa, <laughs> you're like that's uh, some 1945 uh, dialogue for you. That's always a thing, though, in I've got, I, can't, I don't know how often it's come up in some of these uh, creeps, but it's kind of like yeah. these these uppity women who have to be brought down low by men. And like sometimes it's like, well, it's like a, I know where I'm going. It's kind of like let, that. Let me where put you in place, honey. Yeah. Well, it's like. Or it's like sometimes it's like these women need to be like brought down to earth or it's like in this it's like, oh, they're just like dudes who are just mm-hmm. like being dicks. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. So like that's the other thing where it's like it's like women are dumb. Men are shitty. Everyone sucks. Well, women are emotional, RJ. They're emotional. Yeah. And like, hey, people still say that, right? That's why they didn't vote Hillary in. Because you can't have a woman in the White House. She'll be irrational. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, no, yeah. So on the whole, I was like, eh, I don't know about this spellbound. There's there's parts I like. But uh, I just, I know, I, I just don't buy into all the like psychoanalysis stuff where, it's like I was saying, I know, 
I kind of know about this stuff a little bit. I got some background into it, but that's not what throws me off. It's just, I feel like their interpretation of it is so superficial that it's like, eh, I don't, I don't buy what you're selling because you didn't take enough time to like really kind of look into it. And then it's, it's kind of like you said, there are certain lines in this movie where they say it's like, Oh, uh, guilt complex this is what it is and it's just like the definition and they do that like eight fucking times in this movie where they're like oh it's just guilt complex clearly you're doing and then they say the definition yeah. out of like the fucking like textbook and you're like Ugh. and that's like the worst because that's always been like with uh psycho for instance that's kind of like the one yeah. thing everyone goes like why does that last scene in this movie like mm-hmm. where they explain everything away and it's like that was like 1960 so definitely by then mm-hmm. it didn't work but even like i don't know Considering the uh, the stature of Hitchcock in 1945, uh, it seems a little, a little late uh, to like. It but it's like whatever. I mean, so like, it's just such a um, affectation of this entire era of like movie making that it's mm-hmm. like exceptional when movies don't have this clunkiness, and mm-hmm. it's just like, hey, let's just tell the story like flat out. I mean, we don't even get to that really, probably for another like 20 years, and where it becomes like, oh, we can expect to be treated until or. Uh, treated fairly intellectually intellectually like uh mm-hmm. like hey we'll assume the audience is going to figure this out and then we've started to turn that back uh once again yeah 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 i'm with you uh so i have some like just general notes if you okay. want to hear those too yeah, absolutely uh overtures Ugh. yeah what? i hate that this shit. movie's not that long why does we it have turned an overture it on and, uh... there's a four minute overture before the movie because i put it on and andy was just like what is this She's like, what are we doing here? She's like, are we watching a movie? Like, what the fuck is going on? And I was like, I guess there's an overture. So, like, I skipped ahead a bit. And then you see text on the screen. And you're like, oh, uh, I was like, oh, did we miss something? And you go back. So, it's like you you have to, like, bear through it. You're like, I don't want to miss anything. Mm-hmm. I did the so, same o- thing. <laughs> overtures fucking suck. Uh, this movie is full of uh, sexual deviance and nice guys. Mm. Uh, so, I wrote down uh, a couple quotes. This This one... I have a feeling this wasn't a direct quote, but I wrote it down in quotations. Uh, you cold bitch, give me some skin. Um, <laughs> I don't remember what that's in reference to, but I feel like there's a, I think there's a scene at the start where the guy's like, he's like, come on, baby. He's like, lay it on me. And it's basically like, you cold bitch, like give it, give it over here. Yeah. Uh, and everyone's like that to her, which shows like that men are bad, but it's the, it's the nice guy thing, right? Where even the guy in the hotel, he's like, I'm a nice guy. He's like, I'm from Pittsburgh. Don't you want to go upstairs with me, get a drink? And she's like, no, thank you. And he's like, you bitch. He's like, you whore. And you're just like, whoa. Some like, things where? never change. Some things, yeah. You're like, where did this come from? Uh, yeah, there's a, the one thing with like the like the nympho woman. Because I was thinking, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's like in Shock Corridor too. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So there's like all sorts of weird things like this that were of the time, I guess. Uh, I have the world's hugest coat. Uh, I wrote, what kind of fence is that? Uh, apparently uh, in that, like, so when they go to that picture, there's like a livestock fence where it's like a barbed wire on like a post and, you know, routine, you'll do a three or four oh, wire. Yeah. And this is, it's just one wire on the top and one wire on the bottom, which is very clearly so they could walk through yeah. it. But it was just like, it was like, what is, what is the purpose of this fence? What are you doing? Don't even have it there at all. Um, and, oh, then we get that uh, dude's line about, oh, it looks like you've gone for a roll in the hay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. 
uh, just to make fun of uh, women being sexual. Good stuff. Um, There is uh, Gregory Peck's super smooth line when she is in his room. And uh, he's like, oh, there's something about your robe. And it's like giving him like PTSD flashbacks. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's so smooth. It's like, she's like, what's wrong? He's like, your robe. And she's like, oh, I take it off. He's like, I'll get rid of it. I'm sorry. Like <laughs> throws it away. I was like, fucking smooth, man. Which uh, brings me to another point. This guy is scared of the lamest shit I've ever seen. Like patterned lines, the color white, the color black. Like he he's just like scared of all this stuff. He's like, oh, how, how, how is this guy able to even get to like the uh, the clinic? The clinic? I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. Which is like why I was so confused that she would actually like be interested in him at all. Well, I was have like, you, have, Man. You, have you seen Gregory Peck? Oh fuck! Yeah, him in that giant coat. Greg Gregory <laughs> panty stripper. Ooh shit. Um there's the maid at the other doc the Freud doctor's house who's just letting people into the house and is like, I gotta go. You guys hang out, he'll be back sometime. It's like, lady, can't just let people into this house. Different time, man. Different time. Uh I liked the no face man in the Dolly uh dreams. Yeah, no face dude is nice. Yeah. And then the one thing, the the thing that I just I I couldn't believe was when the detectives are looking at the police reports or as like uh, wanted women. And they see the woman that like they saw like not even eight hours before. And he's like, Hmm, let me see. And he draws glasses on her picture and he's like, got it. And he's like, look familiar. And he's like, Oh my God, it's the same woman. And it's like, I didn't recognize her without like ink drawn glasses on her picture. I was like, come on. Come on. It's like it, like I was saying earlier. They don't give people enough credit. It's like, don't. It's so dumb. So dumb. <laughs> Drawing on the glasses on it is like, hmm, let me see if this is uh, the same lady. I can't tell. Oh. Anyway, so I, I feel like I maybe dumped on Spellbound a little bit here. I think it's fine. Like, yeah. it's a watchable movie, but uh, yeah. it's just it's not great. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, nothing special at all. Uh, fun facts. Have fun. Ooh. You know, you love those, RJ. Uh, I sure do. So, okay, some production notes here. Uh, so it was made as another one of those uh, movies between uh, old Hitchcock and David O. Selznick. Uh, mm-hmm. Hitchcock's contract with Selznick began in March 39, but only resulted in three films, Spellbound, Rebecca, and The Paradigm Case. Notorious was sold to RKO in mid-production, as we'll find out next week. <gasps> Selznick wanted Hitchcock to make a movie based upon Selznick's own positive experience with psychoanalysis. Selznick even yeah. uh, brought in his therapist, May Rom, MD, who was credited in the film as a technical advisor. Dr. Rom and Hitchcock clashed frequently. Uh, further contention was caused by the hiring of surrealist artist Salvador Dali to conceive certain scenes in the film's key dream sequence. However, the sequence conceived and designed by Dali and Hitchcock, once translated to film, proved to be too lengthy and complicated for Selznick, so the vast majority of what had been filmed ultimately was edited out. Two minutes of the dream sequence appear in the final film, but according to Ingrid Bergman, the original had been 20 minutes long. Ooh. 
Um, the cut footage apparently no longer exists, although some production stills have survived in the Selznick archives. Eventually, Selznick hired William Cameron Menzies, who had worked on Gone with the Wind and RJ, Invaders from Mars. Uh, <gasps> Which the, one? The Toby Hooper one? <laughs> the other one. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. And... Uh, <clears throat> Uh, to oversee the set designs and direct the sequence. Hitchcock himself had very little to do with its actual filming. <gasps> hmm. So wait, was this a con job? Is this like every Spielberg movie? Like Toby Hooper's Poltergeist <laughs> that was really directed by Spielberg? Yeah. yeah, I'm shitting on Toby Hooper today. Fuck that guy. He sucks. <laughs> he, there. He made that I, one movie really well. The one movie. That's it. Uh, Anyways, Spellbound was shot in black and white, except for two frames of bright red at the conclusion. Did you catch that, RJ? Uh, no. When, when uh, Dr. Murchison's gun is fired into the camera with the big fake hand. <sighs> oh, uh, yeah. There's some. There's a. There's a flash of red because you're dead. Yeah, I. I, I, I Subl- saw. Was it subliminal enough for you? I. I, I saw that moment yeah. in time. Yeah. Uh, um, this detail mm-hmm. was deleted in most 16 millimeter in video formats, but was res- restored for the film's DVD release and airings on Turner Classic Movies. And uh, there you go. And hey, did you know Bergman and Peck were actually banging during the production of this film? I did know because Andrea looked it up, and uh, we both went, "Ooh shit! They had a real life affair. That's pretty dope." Ooh la la. Ooh, baby. But uh, I think it broke up uh, one of their marriages, didn't it? Or something. Who cares? They're, they're, all, uh, they're all dead. I care. Wait a minute. They're all dead? Yeah. All of them? But Kirk Douglas is still alive? He's, the, he's a cockroach, man. I don't fucking buy this at all. I know. It's going to be huge when he dies. So yeah, uh, man. What do you mean when? So, hey, RJ, who what? hates Spellbound? Um, I bet some people who don't get it. Let's, let's, yeah, let's let's see what the uh, what the, the the folks here at Letterboxd have to say about this movie. Sebastian Butt. Whoa! Wait a minute. One we star. have heard from Sebastian Butt before. I, I believe we have. For someone uh, who I know to be a master of suspense, <laughs> nice Hitchcock made maybe the most boring movie about psychoanalysis ever. He's much more fun when the psychoanalysis is buried within within some bigger scheme. Watching people sit around and spout psychobabble and be terrified of lines is unendingly dull. At the very least, Hitchcock's visual sense shines through at times and keeps things watchable. This film is also deeply misogynistic. There's a lot of talk about female mm-hmm. tendencies and whatnot. The unveiling mm-hmm. of John Ballantyne's mental block is unintentionally hilarious. That it is. That it is. Um, got any words here about Sebastian Butt? So Sebastian Butt has definitely been on the podcast before because I thought the name was hilarious. Uh, their bio says, my greatest strength is my meticulously curated narcissism. Uh, I feel like we would be friends with, Seba- with Sebastian Butt. They gave Shape of Water a half star. Uh, favorite films include Martin the Blood uh, Lover, Unforgiven. Mm, bad news. Last Jedi, Andre Rublev, mm, <laughs> Showgirls, mm, How to Get Ahead in Advertising. 
Mm. <laughs> oh, Commando. That's a good show. No, it's not really. What do you mean? It's not. Get out of here. Commando rules. Yeah. Anyways, they like a lot of horror and Criterions. I think uh, okay. Sebastian yeah. Butt is an okay guy. Okay. Lucas Marmol, one and a half star. Marmol. Confusing, overlong, and stupid. <laughs> Peck is horrible, and Bergman thinks she's in, in, in a two decades older film. Plus, uh-huh. zero chemistry between leads. Hitchcock, worst well-regarded movie. Is that true? No. Is this? I was gonna say he's got Hitchcock has like a thousand movies. Well, it's hard to say. I mean, there's some. I think the worst one of his I've seen myself is probably Marnie. Um, okay. I think that's like. Um, but I think there could be a a bottom to his movies. Some of his stuff's gonna be just boring too. But yeah. So Lucas Marmol from Brazil. Yep. Favorite movies are things I have never heard about, like God's Own Country, Columbus, One Week a Day. Uh, but they do have some good taste in that they have a PTA ranked list. There Will Be Blood is number one. Mm-hmm. Punch Drunk Love is number three. I would flip those. But uh, the main, the important thing is that Inherent Vice is last. Uh, and they have a Spielborg, Spielborgo uh, ranked list with War of the Worlds as second. Whoa. I think that's a pretty hot take. What's number you, one? Uh, uh, Schindler's List, which yeah. is, bold. but Munich is number four. Mm. Catch Me If You Can where's, is number eight. Where's Jaws? Five. Oh. Uh, Minority Report is thirteen. Which uh, I'm going to lay it out there with you. I think Minority Report is like two or three for Spielberg. No, not that high, but it's good. It's like, good. Yeah. Uh, let's say five. Okay. Five. Sure. Well, we got to remember there's some Indiana Jones in there. Oh yeah. Got, hey, he made some movies. Eh. He's made a couple of flicks. Uh, yeah. Brian Strang, one and a Strang. half star. Gregory Peck goes for the fainting record, and everyone is so creepy towards Ingrid Bergman. That's true. Yeah. Uh, I know a guy named Brian Strang. I know a guy named Daniel Stang. Do you think they're uh, you think they're related? Could be one and the same. He's got a bunch of pretentious shit in his uh, favorite movies, <laughs> but also uh, Last of the Mohicans. Okay. So uh, I mean, uh Spielberg. Uh, Lost World. What the fuck? Twelve oh. Angry Men, Lawrence of Arabia, X Men: Days of Future Past, Princess Ooh. Bride. Oh my God! Sergio Gomez, two stars. A spectacular dream sequence and sporadic Hitchcock flourishes can save this from outdated psychological theories, a forced romance, and casual misogyny. So, kind of an echo chamber here of people who are not on board with uh, Spellbound. That's true. Uh, Sergio likes a really good movie called The Apartment, uh, but they also like these uh, these Infinity Wars, these Guardians of the Galaxies, this uh, Baby Driver. Oh. Oof. Oof. Well, actually, I don't know if they like Baby Driver. Uh they like a lot of Edgar Wright stuff. Let me see what... Uh, oh, five stars, Baby Driver. Woof. Woof. Wow. Mm-hmm. To quote uh, Macaulay Culkin in Home Alone. Woof. Yeah. Gene Shalit? Is that what I'm emulizing here? Yeah, Rex Reed, Gene Shalit here. Woof. Um, anyways, yeah, this movie was, uh, not, not, it's there, but I think, I think it'll get better. 
It'll get better, RJ. It fucking better, man. If this next movie isn't good, I'm coming after you, pal. Okay. Uh, after the break, I'm going to go sliding down a rail and hit RJ in the back, and he's going to go flying into the air and get impaled onto a fence <laughs> post and die, but... I will then be haunted psychologically by this. And it'll be like, it wasn't even my fault. It was an accident. It's like, well, you're, he's still dead. I, I, I forgot to mention, he totally killed his brother. They're like, oh, it wasn't your fault. It was an accident. It was like, no, you killed that guy for sure. He definitely like, did. And then like, 100%. Oh, this guy, he was like out in the mountains and he got shot, but it wasn't, I didn't actually do it. It was this other dude. Yeah. I'm, no, he he killed that his brother a hundred percent. Like I don't blood on I don't his hands, the blood on his hands. Yeah, and my hands. What did you do? That'd be telling. From the cradle bars comes a beckoning voice that's saying spinning You have no choice RJ, what do you talk to your psychoanalysis about? Uh, I don't, I got all these repressed memories. I feel like I've killed a lot of people, but uh, the doctor says it's just like, it's just my subconscious, man. It's not like really me. Like people don't do that, you know? Uh, Hey, you asked. Yeah, I did. That's my bad. You can email us at CriterionCreeps at gmail.com and tell us about the people you've killed. We've got a Facebook page. We're on Instagram. We're on the letterbox. I'm Jared Duncan. He's Barn Loaf. It's Creeptober, so we're going to be watching a lot of fucking horror movies. And maybe you should, too. It's it's the season, folks. Uh, We've got a Patreon. Uh, What else we got, RJ? We're on Twitter. Instagram. We, we, We don't use it at all, but Instagram, that's the place to be. We're on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play. And if you haven't already, review us. That would be mm-hmm. great. Um, next week, Spine 137. Notorious from 1946. Directed by Alfred Hitchcock. Number three. Are we doing Are we doing the show again next week? Unfortunately, yes. Are we still doing this podcast? The I haven't hit stop yet. Do these still get aired? They get streamed. To what? Let me tell you, RJ, about the internet. (gasps) It's a a dark, horrible, horrible place. 
Yeah, I'm not a fan. Yeah. I don't like it. No, it's, I, don't, I think whatever good came out of it stopped a long time ago. Yeah, I agree with uh, the sentiment that uh, you just expressed. Uh, mm. <laughs> and that's the state of late capitalism. Good night. Ooh. <laughs>